film actors Guild and Kim Jong-il are pleased to welcome you to the International World Peace Ceremony. The most important people from every country are gathered here in solidarity to celebrate peace. There will be music, dancing, and of course, the biggest stars in Hollywood. America for 300 years has been the land of promise for the rest of the world. The land of new frontiers. New opportunities. Yeah, we Welcome to Tank Riot. This is episode 119, where we cover North Korea. Who are they? Where are they? Who are the Kims? <laughs> is it some sort of axis of evil? Well, we'll find out. Are the Kardashians involved? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sputnik. With me as always is Tor. Hi there. <laughs> and of course, Victor. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we fooled him that time. <laughs> Send in picky and chicken. not so good, the Jiggle. <laughs> you know, I wanted to say that uh, our local late night horror show host, Sven Gulli, uh, covered duck soup this this Saturday. Wow! And he always likes to do you know all the interesting little tidbits about the different movies and so forth. And one thing I'd have to say is that he he presented a lot of things about how the brothers got their names, kind of like as fact. Whereas I think a lot of those are kind of conjecture. Like he went completely with Groucho was named after the Grouch Bag, and mm-hmm. Zeppo was named after a Zeppelin. But I he don't took know. the bait. Huh? He took yeah. the bait. <laughs> Need to decide which which rumor you're going to go with, right? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, uh, did you guys watch the Super Bowl? I did, I did. Uh, I was it was okay. I mean, I liked I, yeah. I liked the game itself. Um, it was a good technical game. It was, and I was happy that the yeah. Giants won, and the way they won by having Brady defeat himself was was kind of fun, actually. Well, and yeah. then you know, and of course, it seems like you know, of course, they had the manufactured controversy. You know, MIA, you know, flips off. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I didn't even yeah. see it. I didn't either because she yeah. like whipped her skirt around, and I saw some panties, and I was automatically <laughs> not looking at the bird. So yeah, I wasn't looking at the bird. Looking, I'm sorry. Yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, you know, just watching Grandma Madonna going. <laughs> she, she, I, I heard also she Madonna almost fell off one of the bleachers. She did. She was wearing these like 12 inch heels, and I don't care how muscular you are, that's <laughs> going to be pretty hard to walk on these like little bleachers and. Right, but I was. I thought well, it was a great halftime performance by her because you know. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, it was. Break dancers got to work. You know, yeah, and they, the guy in the rope, though the slack rope was yeah, the was slack rope, cool. awesome. Yeah. He did a yeah. great job, and he looked like a dirty hippie, which was perfect. That's right. You know, that's him in his regular uniform <laughs> when, when he's out with those stick juggles thing. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It it seemed to be the commercials were not uh, really up to par this year. I mean, I, I kind of memorably well, first I liked the here we go one with the rescue dog. Named Wego. Okay, that was cool, and and it was promoting animal rescue. I kind of liked that. That one was good. It yeah. was kind of cute in a way, mm-hmm. and I liked the Jay Leno, uh, Jerry Seinfeld one a bit. Yeah, the private zip line. <laughs> I, I have to admit that I did like the Chevy runs deep. You know, surviving the apocalypse. Oh yeah, that one for those, sure. Those were those were pretty. Clever. I heard Ford was really upset with that one. Oh hard cheese. <laughs> oh Ford, <laughs> you'll yeah. get over it. That's right. Finance the Nazis again. <laughs> So, yeah. um, that was a well, good the one. Clint, Clint Eastwood commercial was uh, oh half yeah. this is halftime. That was decent, but you know what? And they, that that had the Madison. I was gonna and, say yeah. yeah, yeah. I stopped it and rewound yeah. it. I was like, yeah, that's Madison. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So, but they didn't guess, admit it was Madison, did they, or anything? Well, I, I mean, I, I guess they, they did kind of cover up what all the signs said right. in the protests. But it, it was the Madison Capitol with the protests yeah, clearly. in February. The yeah. Statue of Hans. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, they claim that, or Clint Eastwood claims, the pro, the commercial wasn't really political. It's just saying it's halftime, we've got problems in the country, and now we've right. got to decide what we're going to do to fix them. He wasn't saying it's, it's morning in America, like... Yeah, he wasn't saying which idea is the right, the correct no, he sure yeah. answer. But he was just... saying buy these vehicles. Yeah, <laughs> right. But in the meantime, yes, buy a Chrysler. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pull up your socks, grab your cocks. We got some work to do, people. I probably yeah. disagree with Clint on politics a little bit because I know he can be a little bit of a hard ass. But I, you know, that story's been circulating about him being a badass who was in some kind of plane accident or helicopter accident where yeah. he was in the Pacific Ocean and had to swim back. <laughs> After the crash, he no survived shit. it wow. and had to swim back wow. to land. And I was like, okay, Clint, you're a badass. And this was like before he was even a popular star in any way. He wow. was like 2021. 20, was he wearing a Serapi? I don't know. Wow. See, I'm getting all the facts, you know, probably <laughs> yeah. wrong because I wasn't thinking I'd even talk about it. But it was an interesting story. So oh, yeah, if you want to hear about cool. Clint surviving the shark-infested Pacific to swim back to shore mm-hmm. after a helicopter crash, I think I've got the facts pretty straight. At oh, that that sounds cool. pretty cool. And yeah. I guess this halftime commercial really did pucker up Carl Rove. Uh, oh, I mean, upset he, him? Or? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, really? He was upset. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I could have seen it going either way, though, for him. Well, see, that's, yeah. the, thing. that's the thing with Clint Eastwood. But, like, a lot of his movies, too— you don't. You're not really sure. Okay, are you saying something here? Are you just putting the facts out because it doesn't seem like you are necessarily. But like for for instance, letters from Iwo Jima. I'm mm-hmm. I'm not sure really where that was going necessarily. If you were just trying to show the Japanese side or wherever, but that one was kind of I I didn't quite see the, where the where you was trying to end up with that. Yeah, I haven't seen <clears throat> either of those war movies that he did. And uh, J. Edgar. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've said in you did previous podcasts, it's like okay, it was a love story with you know Tolson and I'm sorry, Tolson and and Jagger Hoover. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one aspect, but I guess he probably could have talked more about the files, but at you know his secret files. But at the end, that was the only letter that they had was one of Eleanor Roosevelt's lesbian lovers wrote mm-hmm. this like little love poem. That was like all that survived. You know, his personal secretary for decades made sure that the minute she heard he was dead. Those files went in the shredder like ASAP. So, but in any case, well, the Bud Light one got me with a Bud Light Platinum. First of all, it's crappy beer. What were they? What was the commercial? Well, it doesn't really matter what the commercial was. It's, it's like they're putting, they're calling it Bud Light Platinum, and they're putting it in in blue bottles. And it's like, God, can you say Zima? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's bad enough beer, anyways. But then, same color. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Same color as Zima. Yeah, they, they just like really did the traditional kind of, you know, and I was kind of waiting for the careerbuilder.com. The monkeys in the office are awesome. Yeah, I'm always down with you that. Know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. a big fan of all the trunk monkey mm-hmm. internet videos. And <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, Bolos fails at a monkey. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah. Chip every time. Tank, I'm there know. for it. Any kind of primate. It's kind of funny. IFC has had like Cabin Boy on in heavy rotation, and I always seem to catch it with the David Letterman part. You want to buy a monkey? You sure? <laughs> <laughs> I hate fancy lads. <laughs> well, and it does look like um, the recall election is moving along well. Oh, it's moving steadily forward. I mean, I'm wondering yeah. which is going to move faster, the recall election of, uh, you know, dear leader Scott Walker. Dear yeah. leader. <laughs> or eternal president. Eternal president. <laughs> or, or the John Doe investigation, which is really steadily chomping forward as well. Well, you know, Mink pleaded guilty. Yeah, yeah. She, she, so. 
there's lots of uh, pleas being made oh, yeah. and plea bargains being made and people, yeah. I, I, I don't know where the pro who's, is going. Yeah, uh, Fitzgerald yeah. said he's already going to, you know, contest like 3,000. You know, 3,000 of the signatures, which of course would be just enough not to get him recalled. I mean, these guys are so obvious yeah, in everything they, they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see it taking a cab from downtown. They telegraph mm-hmm. their moves so much, but... Yeah. Yeah, fine. Yeah. It's exciting. It's exciting times though, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely it is. I, I haven't seen as many Scott Walker ads, you know, like recall no. Yeah, I'm sure they're, yes. they're pacing that because the election's yeah. gonna take forever now. It's gonna yeah. the yeah. GAB is taking a long time to count the votes and publish everybody's names and addresses right. so that the GOP can then send postcards. Do you hear this plan? Yeah. The voter caging where they're gonna send postcards to everyone who's on it, asking them if they really on it. But really the point is to find out who gets returned to centered. So if there's a return to sender, then they can claim and that that person isn't a real yeah. person who signed the petition. Oh, I see. So it's a way of identifying people. So that's why they wanted the addresses. And so then they can egg your house. Well, yeah. you know, I'll, I will I will definitely uh, sign my name and return it when, when I get that postcard and use my best calligraphy pen to <laughs> sign Eat Me. Exactly. <laughs> so. We need some of our artist friends to draw some beautiful yeah. works on these. <laughs> yeah. I've always I've always wanted that to be our our family motto. It's just eat me, eat me. Like, you know, say that in Latin. All hail for no. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you've seen some interesting movies lately. Um, went to see The Descendants, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I actually have to admit I got kind of hosed into going to see, but you know it was pretty good. You're faked into it. I was Come on, it's Saw 7. Yeah. <laughs> no! Come on, Sputnik, you can watch Saw 7. Okay. The Descendants. <laughs> oh, God. And I, I saw, all right, this one I got to tell you guys about. So I went to see Red Tails. Mm, you did? Oh, did you? George yes. Lucas. George Lucas. Was Greedo in it? Where do you put your thumb on that? <laughs> oh, well, here's the thing. But it's about to ski. I mean, that's cool. It is cool. But, I mean, the, so where Tuskegee Airmen talked largely about uh, you know, while they were being certified as pilots and all the prejudice they had to deal with. Yeah, and they were injected with syphilis. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Gotta blend Ooh. those two together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, they copped to that one. It's like, oh, it was a long time ago, you know. Oh. What the hell? Stuff happens. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, okay, great. So, yeah, this this movie, I mean, this subject has been covered before in the Tuskegee Airmen right, movie. It, they covered, I mean, they, they essentially covered the part from when they were over in Italy flying these coastal patrols and these crappy old P-40s. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, finally got the job of flying escort for the bombers. And the thing that it really lacked, but first I got to tell you this. So this is the Tuskegee Airmen you're talking about. Uh, no, uh, um, Red Tails? Red Tails. Oh, okay. So Tuskegee Airmen was more or less like as they were training to be pirate, uh, pirates, pilots <laughs> that, yeah. that uh, you know, all the prejudice and, and, and all the stuff that they had to go through with the various committees. Right. This kind of picked up where that one left off. Oh, okay. And, the, you know, the special effects were fantastic. I mm-hmm. mean, you, you could definitely, you know, it was, it was fun to watch. But, and I'm going to say this, and I know that this is just going to probably pucker everyone's poo-poo, but... George Lucas is not a good storyteller. Right. You know, he it's it's like he telegraphs everything. Oh, well, I mean, Star Wars worked because he essentially took every western and eastern archetype there is and just kind of blended it into a movie and he had a lot of great effects. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Star Wars and saying that. But then you got to remember he also did like Howard the Duck, mm-hmm. you know, and he and he did 
you know, he was half of Indiana Jones and so forth. So he has yeah. this kind of way. So the film really came across as like this 1950s kind of war film. And it, I think it deserved a better storyline than what they had. It was just really kind of paint by the numbers. Mm-hmm. And plus they had this one scene that it, it just, well, I was starting to tell you beforehand. So they had a charity that you could uh, contribute to and get a little gold heart that had um, R2-D2 and C-3PO on the front. So, of course, I ran out to, the, <laughs> you know, got that. <laughs> but then uh, uh, they also had this, you know, huge trailer for Phantom Menace in 3D. Right. And when that came on the screen, there was just this collective moan from the audience. Like, really? oh, <laughs> for God's sakes, make some new films. <laughs> yeah, I hear they made a lot of changes. Then I don't know what they did. So, well, <laughs> the only thing I, I what can could say they have is done? Maybe that like three hour long pod race might look better in 3D. But that's yeah. about all I can say for it. Ugh. Yeah. Lucas does, uh, at one point, he did describe Red Tails as essentially episode seven. Well, he said it because, was as close to fans we're going to get to episode seven. Yeah. So go see it. Because of all the action and everything. Oh. He's not going to do an episode. You know, so. Right. Yeah. Well, they had this one scene where, and of course, you know, the German pilots, they, they had this lead German pilot, and he, and he was just like so evil. You know, and and I think that, so they would subtitle what he was saying, and, and he called him an African pilot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that doesn't really sound that bad compared to what the white American pilots were calling these guys. True. Yeah. You know, and and every time he came on, he was always like snarling, and it it was almost like Major Strasser in in Casablanca. You just felt like going every time he came yeah. on the yeah. screen. So it was there's this one scene where they're flying against the Me 262s, and these things were completely for just like cutting through those uh, bombers and mm-hmm. just bringing them down. So. You know, you had a you had a jet engine on either wing, and then you had these big twenty millimeter cannons right in the nose. So there's a scene where one of the red tail pilots, you know, essentially plays chicken with this guy. When the guy opens up, I mean, that plane would have just dissolved under that kind of fire because I mean that was designed to bring down a bomber, a four engine bomber. Mm-hmm. And instead, he gets just like this, you know, kind of wound, you know, and everything. It's all very. It's like so, you know, you can have a death scene and everything. And I thought, oh my god, if this was yeah. made in fifty seven. You, you'd think, I mean, other than the, the digital effects, you'd think, well, yeah. I have a feeling that the, Lucas probably did that on purpose, though. I mean, he was probably trying to hit the, you know, classic war movie, uh, yeah. you know, go get him, shoot him up kind of uh, Right, but then, yeah. but, you, yeah. but then you could still do something like Saving Ryan's Privates or something like yeah. that where you you're I thought kind it was of, Shaving Ryan's Privates. Shaving yeah. Ryan's Privates. <laughs> and I really liked that movie. I mean, I really thought that was a great it war was. film that was yeah. just ginormous in its scope and its depth and it was like old and new it was it was a good blend of that and it was really heartbreakingly you know sad at points but i Mm -hmm. knew that lucas was making this red tails to be like a pilot action film and that's about it yeah 50s style and the characters weren't you know really very fleshed out or anything so it it just had that feel like you're almost watching like the duke you know Mm -hmm. and or something so stick with baba black sheep Absolutely. Always a classic. All right. Bobby Conrad. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a movie um that I really, really enjoyed on DVD recently that I'd love to mention is uh Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh yes. <laughs> have you seen that one? I have not of it? seen it. I have heard of it though. Yeah. So the, it's very it, it's very funny like Evil Dead Two had that comical aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And it's got one of the actors from Firefly in it, which I really enjoyed. Uh, the pilot from Firefly plays one of these guys. They're basically two rednecks that go up to their fix up a cabin in the woods. You mean Steve the Pirate? Hmm? 
The pilot from Firefly, Steve the yeah, Pirate? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think, anyway. Well, uh, You know, from Dodgeball, Steve the Pirate. That was the same guy. Oh, was he in that, too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The curly-haired guy, No, right? but, So he played the pilot, the blonde guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's great in it. He's that great is. in it. So they go up to fix up this cabin in the woods, and... Mm-hmm. Um, these bunch of college students run into them on the way and get spooked out by them because they're just – they're the guys that are going to kill you in the woods. And then right. all these bad things start happening, and they start happening to the college kids, and they suspect these two rednecks of being the murderers. And, and they're just trying to help them. Yeah, right? they're just trying to help them out. And there's this <laughs> oh, whole – that's a great premise. It's yeah. a great premise. <laughs> and there's this whole premise of the college kids trying to kill Tucker and Dale, and Tucker and Dale are just trying to help them out, and then having these horrible accidents happen that's great. that lead up to this giant climax. And it's really funny, and I – uh, I watched it with the Viking Princess, and we both truly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of blood and gore, but it's so comical. Like, mm-hmm. she hasn't seen Evil Dead 2 yet, but right. this is much more comical level <laughs> oh, gore sure. than that. Sure. So, Oh, I also saw the second remake of The Thing. Oh, really? I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's really good. I'm looking forward to it. Is that really scarier than the original thing or not? Um... Well, I mean, yeah, it's scarier than the original thing. I, I'm, it, I'm saying the John Carpenter. The John Carpenter. <laughs> Sorry, I would say that it, <laughs> in my mind, version that's the two. It kind of it it borrows uh, from both films, okay. quite honestly. Uh, but I would say it probably resembles John Carpenter mm-hmm. much more. Okay. Uh, what, what's interesting is is it's a Norwegian camp, right? Th- this time, the original and, camp. Yes, the original camp. <laughs> well, it was funny because in the John Carpenter film, they had videotapes. Of when this thing got loose, and it was the actually, Norwegian camp. Yeah, it was a Norwegian camp, but it was actually black and white footage from from the original thing, <laughs> right. which was kind of right. cool. That's cool. awesome. So uh, that one was very good, and um, I also saw Drive mm-hmm. with uh, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. That's really good. I mean, it's like Scarface level violence, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it definitely goes mm-hmm. up a notch. <laughs> yeah, I'll check that um, out. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was actually a fairly good week for releases. There was you know some fairly decent films that came out. Whereas, I don't know the awards. I'm not looking forward to this year. I think it was a crappy year in films. Mm. And it's going to be hard to find you know rest something from that pile of sequels. Oh, and I I saw I saw a trailer for uh, you know the Avengers too, and I got to tell you, man, it looks goofy. Yeah, I'll watch it. I know, I will too. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but oh my god, it literally does look like a bunch of guys running around it does. in tights. You know? it doesn't, I mean, I saw Thor, I really liked it, you know, but in this one, it's like, oh, what's my origin? Uh, where are my tights? You know, it's just, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see how they pull it off. I don't. We're not. Oh, and then that John Carter of Mars. I um, want to go to that, but it I does, do you know, everything I'm seeing makes it look a bit like a second-rate Phantom Menace kind of. That one is going to get hugely dumped on. I for, hope not. For this reason, because number one, John Carter of Mars was a series of stories that was written by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Princess so, of Mars. Yeah, <laughs> along with, you know, Tarzan and everything. It's a lesser known series, but it was, you know, fun to read as a kid. And they, they spent like $200 million on this thing. Mm-hmm. And the director, I think, is... And it's he's from Toy Story films. I mean, this guy knows yeah. how to direct. Right. But I think he's making a critical mistake in that it's going to be one of the first releases of the blockbuster summer you know, movie season. Right. And he's not releasing any details of the movie. 
you know, to just kind of surprise people. That might be his intention, but that just pisses critics off. Mm -hmm. You know, when it, you know, mm -hmm. when you, you have a film and it's supposed to be a big blockbuster and then you're holding all the details and they're going to just line up to shit all over. Mm -hmm. that one, so. You know what film I could care less yeah. about this summer? What? The f Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, I know. Who cares? How the hell are you remaking that after Sam Raimi did what he did to the Spider-Man franchise? I know. I know. I mean, okay, so, the last one that Sam Raimi did wasn't that great, but do you reboot a franchise like that? No. Oh, they're starting over? They're okay. starting over with a well, new Spider-Man actor. Toby Maguire's not in it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I don't blame him. I mean, that's, I don't either, but that's just goofy. It's a complete reboot, like a start over from a movie that was... Yeah, it's very, just, very recent. It's just a few years ago. Yeah. I know, but at wow, least, it's terrible. At least the new Star Trek movie is in principal photography, so that should be coming out. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd you be know? Good. cool. So, but other than that, I was I was trying to think. There was uh, some other ones that I saw too. Oh, I've I've been catching up with um, the last season of Dexter, and then you know watching Boardwalk Empire, and a big thumbs up for both of those. Yeah, I'm still watching. I'm still probably a season or two behind on Dexter, but I'm really enjoying it. I still oh, yeah. like that a lot. So this season is great. The focus da, 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 da. is religion. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> religion and serial mm. killing. What do they have in common? Two great tastes. They taste great together. <laughs> I got one more, but first I have to cool. mention, which, you know, it might bore half our audience. But I got to say, I think I can blame the fifth Beatle, Brian, from Cinema Suicide for this addiction that has recently cropped up in my family. Robot Wants Kitty. It's a, it's a <laughs> side-scrolling game on the iPhone that is available for free, but you can get expansion packs. It is a video game about a robot who's trying to get to a kitty. And he has to fight different aliens and jump over them and shoot them and do all kinds of silly things in order to get to the kitty. Oh. And it is a brilliant side-scrolling platformer on wow. the iPhone. Sounds cool. Absolutely mm -hmm. love it. And the Viking <laughs> Princess and I are just deep, deep into playing that game. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, to know, it's an unbelievable amount of time wow. has been wasted on this game. Sounds Probably even more than Plants vs. Zombies. Oh, God. So, wow. Super high marks for me on that game. Anyone interested in these side-scrolling uh, little fun platformer games. It's endlessly fun. I I have to confess that mm. I've become <laughs> strangely addicted to Batman Arkham Asylum. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that one is just dark. I really like it though. Is that Xbox or PC or? Uh Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, plotting and planning hmm. my uh, my TV and Xbox uh, endeavors you know, here. So yeah, this is the time of year where I would be more prone to farting around with gaming. Yeah. Just because. I mean, I hate winter so bad. And Skyrim has made me want to get into it. Oh, Skyrim looks like a lot of it fun. It does. It does. I just, uh, I don't know. The, February is the worst. I mean, this is when Hunter S. Thompson committed suicide. Mm -hmm. He started the suicide note, <laughs> football season is it's over. over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I always think of that every February. It's like, oh, it'll never end. <laughs> and it's actually been a very mild winter here in Scotty Nation, but yeah. you know, you still have those iron gray skies and that bone-chilling damp to look forward to every day and that's that's that always makes it awesome, I think. Well, you know, the the middle of February is when dear leader Kim Jong-il was born. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just saying, yeah, that to look forward to. It's still coming up. Let's jump into you that. You might be listening to this podcast on the birth time of <laughs> dear leader <laughs> The time of great greatness when double rainbows floated amongst the sky. You know, that's the thing. Um, you know, a cult of personality is really a fascinating thing because all of these things come out. A cult of personality is essentially where you take somebody who who's a political or governmental leader and you elevate them and you ascribe things to them 
that I think was not probably uncommon, you know, six, seven hundred, eight hundred years ago with kings. You yeah. know, that they could control the weather, that they could, you know, do they could move hundreds of miles while sitting down. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They could travel from the east <laughs> to the west in a blink of an eye. Like what? Is this <laughs> Superman? What are we talking oh, about here? Yeah, what if Eleanor Roosevelt could fly? <laughs> It's unbelievable. He he never poops. No. no. <laughs> okay, we had to go there, didn't we? He's, he's holding it all in yeah. until the, the peninsula is united. <laughs> Maybe why he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't say you're wrong. Constipation. Dad, I'm prairie dogging it. What the hell does that mean? You know, like when a prairie dog sticks his head in and out of the ground. Ow. 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 Oh, I do not want to picture well, that. I mean, Korea... <laughs> I think the reason we chose North Korea is that, you know, obviously it's been in the news because of the death of Dear Leader. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, people have been endlessly mocking Kim Jong il in the, you know, late night comedy circuit, but not a lot of people know much about Korea or no. North Korea or South Korea. No, not really. I mean, Korea yeah. is one of those places where essentially I think most Americans know something about it because they like MASH. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? You watch MASH. It's, I think really the only reason the Korean War is probably remembered by most Americans at all, which is, is you know, truly unfortunate because it was mm-hmm. one of those key moments of, of the, you know, beginning of the Cold War and really defined in a lot of ways how the Cold War progressed. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, North Korea is, is like one of those, uh, you know, odd artifacts of that period of time that just sort of seems frozen in that time. It seems to get glossed over quite a bit because people often jump from World War II right to Vietnam as if, you know, it was just Vietnam. That was the oh, next war. Oh, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like millions of people died or anything in between no. World War II and Vietnam. Right. But they did. And, you know, I had a family friend that I spent a lot of time with that he had this glass case on his wall of all the medals he'd earned right. in the Korean War, including, I, I believe, a Purple Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never found out anything about what he had done or what his experiences were. Um, I think it was such a brutal conflict that I don't think uh, probably a lot of veterans really talked about it. And certainly, I mean, you drank a shit ton of whiskey. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I probably would have, too, after an experience like that. And the thing I think to bear in mind with Korea, North or South, whole peninsula, that whole region, whatever, is that it's a very ancient country Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's been in conflict for Many, many, many years, not just the 20th century, but much longer than that. I mean, there there hasn't been a lot of peaceful times in Korea, uh, probably since its inception, yeah. mm-hmm. which, of course, goes way, way back. I thought maybe we'd focus on the Goryeo mm-hmm. dynasty. I'm not sure where you wanted to start with this. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because it's 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 a little, you know. <laughs> it gets into the murk of history at a certain point it where is it's the like, murk oh, of okay, history. <laughs> I don't know that that's necessary. So, I mean, Korean history, you, you can sort of look at it as, uh, you know, the, the Korean Empire uh, takes you pretty much well, no, you can't even say that because it seemed like the Japanese were kind of always there to try to take over <laughs> Korea to, at hey. some time or another. <laughs> well, and the Japanese, you know, back in the day, were always looking for land, you know, and well, yeah, that's part of the yeah. problems. I mean, with they China. invaded China. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it goes right. on and on, and and they occupied Korea for quite a while. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in the modern time, it you know, from uh, the Russo-Japanese War in 1905, they grabbed mm -hmm. a whole lot of holdings in Asia. And, you know, you tend to think of, of the Japanese Empire as only being, you know, essentially from our, you know, Pearl Harbor on. But right. in fact, it went decades. So mm -hmm. the Japanese were in control of the Korean Peninsula from 1905 on. And it was not, you know, as... Other countries found out that were under Japanese occupation at that period of time was was a very unpleasant, very brutal experience, which I you know I think uh, still still definitely scars uh, you know Korean Japanese relations to this day. And I mean there are very long memories of of the of that period of time. Not to mention you know the the fact is is that uh, when North Korea was partitioned. It essentially pretty much cut off any possibility of any unification. Families were mm -hmm. very much separated. Although that goes back to the the distant past too. So if farmers were needed in the south and they were up north, they got moved to the south, and then other people got moved to the north. So the, what they went through in the twentieth century is more or less um, a more modern version of of what's been going on in Korea for centuries. Mm -hmm. And I have to say too that. Korean culture is of a very high level, you know, even from uh, these very early times. I mean, some of the, uh, you know, the, the first known printed book mm -hmm. with movable type was from Korea. Right. So, and, you know, they had very high art, culture, religion, but always with the background of this constant conflict and invasion and occupation and... Mm -hmm. uh, I th I certainly think that colors the the peninsula to this day. To be yeah. sure. Well, uh, do we want to do an overview of like the more modern Korea that led to what we're seeing now in the news with the third great leader of Korea? I mean, do you want to start in the 1910s and and talk a little bit about the history of, of how we got to the the 38th parallel split? You know, that's probably I think probably. What most people want to know is is mm -hmm. the more modern period. Yeah. I mean, how did there end up being two Koreas? How you know, did there that, end up that's being two the Koreas? Big question. And I think a lot of people have seen that very famous picture out on the internet too of the satellite of Korea, the Korean Peninsula at night. Yeah, and there's like no lights in North Korea, and then you know, South Korea is all lit up. Right, <laughs> right. And um, that's because dear leader has gone to bed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there is one light switch in North Korea. How you knew? Yeah. <laughs> Just be quiet. <laughs> He's sleeping. <laughs> so uh, there was a, a Korean Communist Party uh, that that went way back uh, to the twenties, actually. Uh, although the the common turn, uh, Communist International actually threw the Korean uh, Communist Party out because they were extremely nationalist. Mm -hmm. So they were not really interested in, oh, God, the other day um, I was listening to Democracy Now! and they uh, brought up something that I had completely forgotten was that a couple days ago it was the 50th anniversary of the uh, U.S.-Cuban embargo. And gosh, mm. hasn't that worked well? If it weren't for the mutants. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, I mean, man. so so we have all of these artifacts of the Cold War that we are still living with and just cannot get past. Yeah. Well, I think Korea might have been the another very, very, very close to World War Three moment. 
Oh yeah, beyond the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh yeah, a lot of veterans of that period of time called it World War Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of them were mm-hmm. call ups that were still doing their reserve duty. Yeah, they're like from uh, the Second World War. This blows. All right, I'll get. I'll yeah. go to Korea. Oh, actually, some were like, "Hey, where's where's Korea? What's that? Yeah. <laughs> What's a Korea? I don't." Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, right. And the thing of it was, too, is that uh, with the Korean conflict, we were very unprepared because we had the we had the atomic bomb. The thought was at that time that conventional war was something we didn't have to spend a lot of time or resource on. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. Forrestal, the secretary of, of defense at that time, actually committed suicide after the invasion because all these things were mothballed. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're flying Corsairs and, and B-29s, and all of a sudden a MiG-15 comes screaming out. Yeah, you know, right. And... But if you, if you jump back a little bit— you... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, so no, too far No, no, I mean, ahead. that's okay. Yeah. You, you had the Japanese living there and getting kicked out eventually. Right, um, yeah. You know, out of the 19— 19- But there were guerrilla efforts in, in Korea right. <clears throat> from, from its inception. But the, the Korean Communist Party doesn't really come into the picture until the 20s. Right, right. And uh, mm-hmm. it was it was a pretty strong movement at that time, and of course, very nationalist. So mm-hmm. again, they weren't interested in international revolution. They wanted to have a unified communist Korea. So that that idea has been there mm-hmm. for a very long time. Oh, okay, right. And they they'd always taken support in the guerrillas and in the regular party, <laughs> the Communist Party of Korea, from uh, Russia and from China as well. Right. But this ethnocentrism mm-hmm. has always kind of been an Achilles' heel of. The leadership of the so-called Korean Communist Party or the right. Korean Communists. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, you could you could say that there's that's a, kind of a similar theme in in Japan as well mm-hmm. of uh, kind of a uh, racial and cultural superiority and um, very uh, distrustful, almost xenophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, what's happened in Korea, especially what's happened in North Korea, is utterly amazing yeah. when you get through the line of history up to what's what the culture is right now mm-hmm. but if you think of it like back in the 30s and 40s yeah it had the nationalism they they did have this belief that you know they were going to oust any oppressors and there was a lot of guerrilla groups within the uh, society but the communist movement was growing and it was about 19 well it was an agreement between Stalin and uh, the Allies, it was the mm-hmm. Yalta Agreement where he said that once Germany was defeated, they mm-hmm. would declare war on Japan. Right. That led to th- this uneasy alliance between the American troops and the Russian troops that we would have the Russians attack Japan. Right. And we didn't tell Russia, and Russia had really no idea that we were going to dump atomic bombs on Japan simultaneously. Right. But hey, we got this testing to do, so we're going to— I think that was kind of part of the plan, though, too, is that— Well, first of all, I mean, the Soviet Union, and Stalin especially, was very upset that they pretty much left the Russians to the— to their own devices, yeah, and for, for and a very long time, rightfully before, so, actually, yeah, so. before they opened up a second front. Mm-hmm. So uh, when they jumped in to the uh, Pacific theater of operations, I think then the concern was, hey, they're just like taking Eastern Europe and making it a buffer zone, so they might try to do this in Asia as well. So I think that was part of the reasoning was that if we have this huge atomic display and everything, that this is also going to frighten the Russians, and so you get kind of, you know, two bangs for your buck there. Mm -hmm. And the Russians themselves were, you know, pretty exhausted. I mean, you know, 20 million plus dead in that Mm -hmm. war. 
to be able to throw troops into this whole other theater of well, operations. Right. They expected a massive resistance when they went into Korea. They thought that they would, you know, find this resistance and have to fight through Korea. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Korea was just like, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah, like they easy. just rolled through. It was much like the Giants getting a touchdown <laughs> right. against the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you want that touchdown? Go for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll get out of your way. <laughs> Did you see that touchdown? Yeah. yeah. That's the weirdest strategy I think I've ever seen in a I, Super Bowl. Talk yeah. about falling ass backwards into a touchdown. Yeah, I, I know. Mean. Not <laughs> wanting it, you know? Oh, no, no, sorry. No, no. Oh, my momentum. Did oh. you need to get that touchdown? Oops. <laughs> my bad. But I can still get up and do a little dance. Can you feeling bad that you got a touchdown in the Super Bowl? Yeah, sorry, yeah coach. I'm sorry, that was me. <laughs> Didn't mean to get that touchdown yeah. in the Super Bowl. I apologize for that TD. <laughs> but so, so the Russians were there, and it was really easy for them to get there. Yes, and then that created concern amongst the the Americans that this domino effect they could easily own the whole peninsula. Right. So then we essentially, after you know Potsdam, then it got to be a partitioning. Just like Germany. Yeah. So there was allied zones and sectors, and then there was a Russian zone and sector. And pretty much the Russian, the Russians had North Korea. Mm-hmm. And Kim Il-sung, the great leader. Well, and that's the other mm-hmm. thing. They, he, Kim Il-sung is an interesting character. He's just a bit of a guerrilla rebel. He's from a modest upbringing. It's very hard now to pin down the truth of who he was and where he was from. That's exactly right. Because it's shrouded in myth. Well, that's and, part of the cult of personality. Right, right. So, so I mean, part I'm of not going to sit here and try to claim oh. I could tell you the roots of you know where he's from. I mean, according to... Because apparently unicorns farted him out on a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> they do have pictures of that. <laughs> uh, they, do have, they do have pictures, though, of like Kim Il-sung holding... Um, Kim Jong Il and there's like rainbows and <laughs> all this shit. It's it's pretty amazing yeah, stuff. It is really yeah. amazing. I mean, if it wasn't such a brutal regime, it'd almost be comical. Right. But and he'd spent some time in Russia, right? And, and he'd learned a bit about communism more there and realized right. how much he was really invested in the communist idea. And he did align himself much more with the Stalinists. And oh yes, and he it, was he's a hardened ideologue. Totally, totally. Yeah. And and so when. Uh, the Russians were looking for someone to put in place because all of a sudden they had a country to govern. Yeah. They go. weren't expecting that. They asked for ideas and got him, and all of a sudden, boom, there he is put in power. It right. takes a was... real special person to like grab onto Stalinism as a good idea, <laughs> right? I mean, Well, probably at that period of time, it looked like the winning hand. You know, yeah. because that way, I mean, you've, you've had decades of constant struggle and dealing with the Japanese— and then all of a sudden... True, this... Stalin won World War II, essentially. So yeah, he, he was mean, looking good in some ways. Yes, we said that, Americans. <laughs> That's right. Tor just said that. Stalin, Stalin well, is, is at one least of those... from the viewpoint of yeah, history. It's yeah. the viewpoint <laughs> from, of history. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people still that think... I mean, uh, some of the criticism that you know Putin's been getting for the arms deals and so forth in alliance with Syria has been, you know, people are considering that to be maybe the opening salvos of a new Cold War where, you know, Russia wants to become a superpower again. And mm-hmm. Stalin, I mean, history is is a fickle bitch <laughs> because, yeah, did he kill millions of people brutally? Yes. Did he have prison camps? Did he have gulags? Yes. Mm-hmm. But he made Russia a superpower. Got 
you know, 25, the Germans got 25 miles within Moscow, pushed them all the way back to Berlin. Yeah. You know, that's what people remember. I'm yeah. in by no means speaking for all Russians or, you know, like I wouldn't speak for all Americans or all, you know, whatever. But there are a lot of Russians who truly believe that Stalin still is getting a bad rap. And oh, yeah. He was a great leader and a great man and did mm-hmm. wonderful things for the country. And there are those who you'll you'll meet and they will tell you, and I've had people tell me this, that America just wants to get a hold of the Russian silver and steal everything from right. Russia. I mean, they, they still have this idea that right. the stories they've been told growing up are true. That And, and yes, we are a capitalist society, and I'm yeah. sure that someone over here does want to take all your silver. <laughs> That's but, the problem. We have, yeah. There are a few that do want we to do, do that. We do yeah. have people like that. But Let's as be an honest. organized Most society, of us, we just want to get there's along. no giant plot in America <laughs> To, to go in and, no. you know, dupe you into certain things. It's just un- unbelievable what people, the plots that they've been taught, how well they well, stick sure. over time. Well, that's a good point, yeah. Victor, because one of the things that uh, Kim Il-sung spread from, from his time on was that the West was spreading disease in mm-hmm. North Korea, that they were doing this germ warfare constantly. Mm-hmm. And they've just been told that decade after decade. And so that it just just becomes Mm -hmm. so ingrained. Well, right. I think even the Chinese and even the Russians have verified that that kind of thing. This was back in the what fifties or whatever. Right. They all were worried about it actually. Right. So Jesus, are they? No, they're not. No, (laughs) but let's not tell anyone. Yeah. (laughs) So they didn't tell anybody. But if you're getting a good run from it, go Kim. If this is working for you, that's fine. (laughs) Go for it. Hey, can I call you great? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, does he have a, does he have a, a crystal sarcophagus? I, I don't know. Yeah, he's in a glass case. D- he does. <laughs> okay. Do you ever see that snow globe that they made after Mao died in 76 no. where you like you shake it up and it's like his coffin is snowing? Oh, nice. Really it was really cool. Weird. <laughs> so he was put in power and, and then he ran with it. And he oh, yeah. was generally seen as the leader and he used these kind of propaganda mm-hmm. uh, pieces to move forward very quickly to solidify his control of all media, and it was a, a a pretty straightforward adaptation of the Stalinist regime, and it's how right. totalitarianism can be if you just try hard enough. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, in a lot of ways, he was like Che Guevara in that he he was a very real hardliner, you mm-hmm. know, very un very inflexible. Mm-hmm. You know that this is yes. There's the uh, dictatorship of the proletariat, and this could go on. Well, we don't know, but we're going to work hard to try to get this lifted. But for now, we'll have total control of everything. And he had designs on invasion and unification Mm -hmm. of the Korean Peninsula, you know, not too long after the Second World War. If it wasn't that, you know, Stalin, you know, didn't support him, you know, like in 48, 49, he probably would have tried it then. But then Russia got the bomb mm-hmm. and uh, China became communist. And, you know, there was just it seemed like the time was right. And, yeah. and U.S. forces that, you know, were were occupying their sectors had pulled out by 49. So, I mean, you know, time was ripe. And they used it mm-hmm. and they just came pouring across that border. Mm-hmm. The 38th yeah. parallel, which is another thing that you've probably, you know, heard about. The just, DMZ. Yeah. It was just, they had the same thing in Vietnam mm-hmm. in that, you know, you just take this, you know, line and you say, okay, this is the demilitarized zone. This is what separates. But what's interesting about Korea is, is that they have this incredibly elaborate demilitarized zone. I mean, in Vietnam, it was more or less like, uh, 
well, yeah, I, I think I'm in North Vietnam now. <laughs> you, know, you just take two steps over and whatever. Yeah. But in, in, in Korea, you definitely know you're in the DMZ because it's probably one of it's probably the most heavily armed area of the planet. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Red Square is a very interesting place where there's the parade soldiers and they mm-hmm. march around Lenin's tomb and all that stuff. But in the demilitarized zone, you've got uh, a series of, you know, bunkers that are separated oh, yeah. and the soldiers are. And I've heard that they, the North Koreans would send their tallest soldiers up to the front right. to represent North Korea so they would look taller. They look like giants. And they look more intimidating. <laughs> They're the frost giants. Right. Ooh, the frost yeah. giants. Let's not mess with them. But what was really funny also is um, the way North Korea did it, and it doesn't seem so cool to me if you were trying to intimidate the others, but what they do is that you don't line up staring at the South Koreans. Mm-hmm. The South Koreans basically stare at the North Koreans. Mm-hmm. But the North Koreans... One stands in, at the front and stares at the other. Another stands at the front and stares at the other. And then one stands at the back and stares at both of them. Right. So that yeah. neither one at the front can run away and neither one, uh, you know, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's very strange. It's, so it's almost like, more to keep them exactly. in the country. That's right. You're keeping yourself the watching in you. the country. I'm watching you. I'm watching you. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's incredibly mined. It's got... Uh, Oh, a yeah. series of barbed wire, electrified Bar- fences. All kinds of listening um, and spying devices. Mm-hmm. You know, the DMZ is this incredible place that, you know, the tensions are still very high. And, you know, North Korea is effectively isolated in a way that the world hasn't probably seen since some of the earlier Chinese dynasties. You know, we're like after the yeah. Ming dynasties where they just said, yeah, we could be a world power. But you know what? We're gonna just going to suck it all in and totally isolate ourselves. It's truly amazing. Yeah. Most most North Koreans who are attempting to escape North Korea end up going through China. Right. Or, you know, they find another route. They don't try to go through the DMZ. No, no. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I literally I don't think there's a piece of ground there that I mean, if if you just said, all right, you know, I don't know what the, all the apple pie hubbub was about. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, forget it all. And you tried to, like, build a road through there. I mean, it would take years to just figure out where everything has been laid. Yeah, I remember yeah. there was one story I heard about a, a prison guard who was a radio voice who um, he was an, he was announcing on Korean radio. They have to say everything about, you know, dear leader this, dear leader that. Right. And uh, one of his co-announcers, there were two of them, misspoke. And he he stumbled on a phrase and didn't say it right. Mm-hmm. And the guy knew he's like, we're going to a work camp. We're going to go to prison for the rest of our lives. Right. I am doomed because of what this guy did. Wow. So this guy said, we're getting the fuck out of here right now. Uh-huh. So there were two other guards in the guard post he was working at on the DMZ. And so they drugged him. And they drugged him that night. So they figured out a way to get him drunk and got him passed out. And then the two guys made for the DMZ and they managed to grab, you know, wooden sticks. And the one guy had done some electrical work. So he understood how to get past the electric fence. And so he managed to throw some rigging on the fence to short circuit it for a little bit, throw some sticks under it so they could get under it. You know, he made it through and the other guy made it through halfway and then got fried because it didn't stay for long enough. Mm -hmm. And then the one guy by himself had to spend the rest of the night working through the landmine fields to get out of the DMZ and manage to survive in South Korea, um, where he surrendered. I remember in the interview I saw with him, this might have been in the Lisa Ling special. It might have been in another special. I saw that, too. I'm kind of thinking it might have been in the Kim Jong-il 
I don't know. Movie? I don't know. But, but yeah. in any case, there. Uh, he, someone asked him, he said, well, what happened to your family? And he's like, I'd rather not talk about that. Because yeah. basically his whole family was probably imprisoned and killed. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. And, and that's an important point, too, is that uh, Kim Il-sung... And, and by the way, you know, Sung isn't his real name either. That just, yeah. It's, 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 uh, just like Stalin. He's, yeah, he's not, he's not really a man of steel, people. <laughs> <laughs> he, took, he took that name. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it, it does mean. It's, it's something to do with the sun. It's like, you know, from the sun or of yeah, the sun. Yeah, from the sun. It's, it's yeah. I'm thinking oh, wow. of changing my name to yeah. Star Man or something. Mr. Poopy Pants. <laughs> That's, yeah. Mr. Manly Man. That almost is... Uh, oh, Become the Sun. Become, become the, sun. the Sun. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, th- that does tie into sort of God themes. Cult uh, personality. Through, oh, yeah, through history cult. because of the exactly. sun gods and... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, Joseph Stalin was never a very... Uh, strong man, and then to pose himself as a man of steel is right. hilarious. But yeah, because he was actually quite diminutive, mm-hmm. and you know, not. It's like all the the shots. He had one he... little Tyrannosaurus Rex arm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is You're making fun of my arm. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you with this arm. I will kill you with my very short <laughs> arm. My tiny arm will kill you. <laughs> but. Uh, so he he established a prison, a very elaborate prison camp system very early on. Right. And it was well known that this is going to be your permanent home. And, and it's not like, oh, we made a mistake and you can just go back to your life. No, you were in there and that was it. And, and there weren't trials really. So in this, oh, no. in this society, there were no, you'll go face a trial, then you'll go to, you no, you, you disappeared mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. And yeah. you were gone as a message to others that they should worship your leader and not mm-hmm. uh, question anything and not misspeak like you might have misspoke. But it was generally generational, too. So if yeah. your grandfather made a mistake, you're, you know, your parents and you, you would all go to prison, you know. So right. yeah. the payment would be far for like Or you damn very, your entire family. That's mm-hmm. right. Or mm-hmm. at the very least, you were, you were under suspicion. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Is I was reading this article that was fascinating about... They found all of these skeletons out in the Gobi Desert, <laughs> and the Gobi Desert is is you know quite cold because of its relationship with the uh, Himalayan mountains and everything. So yeah. it's, it's a desert, but it has snow. For those and, of you familiar with Star Wars, it's very similar to uh, Tatooine. Yes, or yeah. and Hoth. <laughs> well, not hot. Well, yes, there's snow. I mean, there's. Oh. It's, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Is that all the cold air comes sweeping out of of you know okay. Mongolia and Siberia and everything. So it's a desert with sand and everything, but it's very rocky and well. In any case, they they found all these skeletons that were buried and, and they were bound and everything, and they and they think that this goes back to like the ninth century. Where you know someone in 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 some government screwed up, and all these guys were his, all these skeletons were his family. Because if oh, you were man. suspected, then your family got taken out in the mm. middle of the Gobi and got done mm. away with. So even if you your whole family didn't go to a North Korean prison camp, you were certainly under a cloud, right? And had to work that much harder to try to. Well, that's the whole thing about this is it, it almost takes the high school ethic of the popular club, uh, right, and brings it ten times more because if you were a party member's child, 
your work was seen better in school than a non-party member and right. you were going to escalate better in the society. You were going to move up quicker uh-huh. mm-hmm. and any small misstep by someone who's not a party member will be you know, blown up to be a bigger infraction right. than someone who's actually a part of the party. So it's an incredibly stilted system. I mean, oh, I yeah. love this stuff in a way like studying it and analyzing it and looking yeah. at it. Oh, yeah. yeah it, it, it takes all the very worst parts of the Stalinist regime and plants a seed in a culture where it can grow it from scratch into being the greatest, most evil thing ever. And it's oh, really yeah. unbelievable how it's well disgusting. it works over generations and over time. That's true. Um, but yeah. Stalin never really had the chance. You know, no. he did no. all the, all these horrible mass murders of many, many people. Stalin is probably one of the greatest terrors, you know, in oh, history yeah. as far as I think numbers of murders and lives lost due to his paranoia and extremism and oh, exactly. uh, complete loss of. Sanity. However, mm-hmm. if if Joseph Stalin had lived as long as uh, right. Kim Il Sung, right. I mean, the man died in ninety four. For God's sake, right? Unless yeah. I kid ourselves, North Korea is about the size of like Utah or something. North yeah. Korea is not that big. It's not huge, right? No, Russia huge. Yeah. You know, he would send mm-hmm. eleven a, time zones. Yeah, huge. he would send you across to the other side of the world to a gulag. You know, in Kazakhstan or you know, in like wherever. Um, you know, Irkutsk. <laughs> <laughs> Yakutsk. <laughs> but the gulags were generally far, far west. Yeah. So. Well, and I think what's so interesting. It depends on which way you're looking at it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true too, I suppose. <laughs> if you're coming over the ice yeah. cap. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, Toilets don't even, the water doesn't even spin over there. Oh my God, it just stays still. <laughs> it's ice. <laughs> Frozen. <laughs> Crap in a cube. I had to paint a wall. No, no, we don't have to go there again. <laughs> well, you know, uh, they, they have that series, which I've always found very mean-spirited and, and really not very fun to watch, but the concept is great. It's called An Idiot Abroad. Mm-hmm. You know, and Ricky Gervais sends his kind of slower friend that he, he also does a podcast with. Awesome. And he uh-huh. sends him uh, you know, to all these different places around the world, and this guy is, you know, very insular... <laughs> Englishman, and he just he just ends up like bitching and grousing about everything he's doing. Well, and anyways, now he's got one called the bucket list, and he goes through this great list. And one of them is taking the Trans Siberian Express, all mm-hmm. you know, all the way. And I thought, oh, that would be awesome to do. But of course, this guy is just like you know bitching the whole time, and he's like sleeping on a shelf. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> it's like, oh God, can't you just well, whatever. Yeah, I would love to do that. I really, oh, really would. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just have to have the right couple books with you, you know, and then you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you well, a couple, it. anyhow. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be sitting on that train for a few days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in any case, uh, uh, with, with Kim Il-sung, he, because he was so long-lived and he had time to really develop this cult of personality and mm-hmm. really shape North Korea— yeah, um, that's why this regime is is uh, still so powerful and kind of brainwashed a generation. If several, not, if not several, three, actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have to remember too that there are a lot of veterans that are still around in you know the United States from the Korean conflict and. You well, know, it was more of a police action, really. It was a police <laughs> action. Let's look, rump, rump, And then, do you want to explain the the how Korea went, like the Korean War went? I mean, it was a police action. It was an incursion of the North Koreans into South Korea. Yeah, it it was it was a well. 
1950. As you were saying, as you were saying yeah. before, yeah, that's the funny thing about MASH is that, you know, MASH was on for 11 years and the Korean War was, was three. Mm-hmm. Three, yeah. <laughs> it was three years. <laughs> Swill gin? Sir, I have sipped, lapped, and taken gin intravenously, but I have never swilled. So, yeah. And, and, in, and in many ways, MASH was based in Korea, but it started during the Vietnam War. And right. It was kind of a reflection on the Vietnam War, more so than the Korean War. But then when years passed the end of the Vietnam War, so after a while it was like, oh, yeah. we just like to watch Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He makes good jokes. <laughs> Always like but, those guys. Yeah, I I totally enjoyed Mash. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, me too. I, I think the Groucho influence is right on his sleeve. Well, and and mm-hmm. he certainly, do, I mean, he always you know has the old GM twenty twenties on in several episodes. So mm-hmm. you know you got to love that that homage. But in yeah. any case, uh, with North Korea, the war was incredibly brutal for even though the peninsula itself is not huge geographically, like for instance Russia, mm-hmm. it's very mountainous. It has incredibly baking summers oh, the and, arable land is like 15 20 percent you know yeah. there's not much you can grow on uh north the, the north is incredibly mountainous mm-hmm. uh you you mm-hmm. you get uh the siberian expresses and mongolian coal blasts that'll just drop you in your tracks to come through so the korean war i think one of the reasons that it's not known in america that much because it's it's not really one of our shining moments to be sure because was, the Korean, the North Koreans just flooded over, and yeah, we they, really struggled at the beginning. I mean, we were well getting our asses kicked. And it, basically, it wasn't because Korea was this great industry. It was because Korea was highly funded by the Chinese and Russia. Russia was the, the main funder of the Korean War. They yeah. they uh, supplied the money and the weaponry, but then later on, well, probably getting ahead. So, in the opening days of the the Korean War. All of our troops, or what troops we had, were still in Tokyo, uh, occupying Wall post-war Street. Japan. <laughs> yeah, occupying Wall Street. Post-war Man, <laughs> occupy Japan. me <laughs> Those are that, that, that anything made in Occupy Japan is a collector's <sighs> item. Yeah, which is so uh, weird. Yeah, when like, you think about it, was that Antiques Roadhouse or Railroad <laughs> Show? Yeah, I think I used to have some teacups that were made in Occupy. That there teacups made in Occupy Japan. <laughs> you get a ton of money for that. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're damn proud of our occupying. <laughs> so when they swept over the over the border, they had pushed. The South Korean troops and the Allied troops almost to the southeast corner of of South Korea. And it was it was called the Pusan perimeter because that was all that, you know, they were fighting from there out. Mm-hmm. So it was this very, very tiny piece of land. And all as they say, all of our troops that we had available from Japan, we got over there, but it, it still wasn't the easiest thing to transport a whole lot of troops. Well then once we did get there uh, things were very disorganized. I mean, it wasn't like there, you know, was. Uh, uh, I mean, there were, there were a lot of retreats, and the weather and well, bugging out. The term "bugging out" came yeah, from Korea, absolutely, because uh, like, oh my God, the front mm-hmm. is changing mm-hmm. and it's changing right now, and we could be miles behind enemy lines if yeah. we don't move. Yeah, and it was shameful to retreat, but there was no choice. There but was to no retreat all the time. Yeah. You did, I mean, they didn't oftentimes have the the right clothing for the weather, and it 
you know, there were a lot of diseases that, you know, people hadn't been exposed to, certainly, Mm -hmm. you know, American troops, a variety of poisonous snakes, uh, these tiny little crate snakes that are incredibly poisonous, and also a lot of them in Vietnam as well. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they would look, to you or I, they would look just like a little garter snake. You wouldn't think twice of it, but I mean, it can literally kill a man, you know, from, from a bite that you probably wouldn't even feel. So there was a lot of seesawing back and forth. I mean, so then we would sweep up into the north and then they would and then when the Chinese then, you know, MacArthur was so arrogant that, you know, he went right up to the Yalu River. And mm-hmm. there's one thing the Chinese do not like historically is any kind of even a suspect, you know, suspect of a, of a border incursion. So then the Chinese communists came just pouring over that border and we got pushed way back again. Mm-hmm. So this like seesawed back and forth and there was like uh, the Battle of the Hosin Reservoir. And I mean, these were the the, the concept of the human wave attack, mm-hmm. you know, where one of the worst um, scenes is uh, this Gregory Peck movie, uh, Porkchop Hill. Yeah, Porkchop Hill. Yeah. And they're, they're sitting on this, um, you know, tiny little foothill. And they've got a machine gun nest. You know, it's a 50 caliber machine gun, but, you know, and, and it's night and they can hear this kind of thump a thump a thump. And someone like whips up a flare and it's just Chinese troops as far as you can see. And they're just flowing. Wow. So there's, you know, like yeah. story after story of where, you know, a barrel would literally melt on a machine gun because they just couldn't feed enough ammo into it. And mm-hmm. they just kept coming and kept coming. So between mm-hmm. all these factors, it was not... And really, the end of it was an armistice mm-hmm. of, you know, it, it was a ceasefire. Well, right. we managed to beat them back to this area, you know, where we had the line in the sand was there. And it was a big debate between Truman and MacArthur where right. MacArthur was like, let's go. We got to get this. We can get them this time and right. we'll fight them all the way back. We'll take the whole area. Right. And, and he said, if China yeah. gets involved, then we'll use the bomb. Mm-hmm. And he would say these things publicly. Yeah, he was serious. Yeah. yeah. There's a great book. The written. problem is, how would that affect our relationship with China and the Soviet Union at, well, this, at that this point? Was you know, the, this was the yeah. time when it was raised yeah. that, okay, this could be World War Three, Right. Like, if yeah. we really push this, we could get ourselves deep enough where it's World War III. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Truman fired him. Truman fired him. And that was seen as a huge scandal. And it was. it's interesting. I, I have seen some – there's very few documentaries about Korea. Mm-hmm. But the ones I have seen are are very interesting because they have interviews with you know some of the Chinese veterans of of the Korean conflict and everything. And God, some of these guys, I mean, their wounds and everything are are still, you know, just horrendous. Mm-hmm. Alexander Haig was actually one of MacArthur's aides, right? And wow. he even said, he says, oh, my God, he was, like, so arrogant that he was I just know. unbelievable. Haig was saying that. You wow. know, Haig, yeah. I was like, you know, check your constitution. I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, this guy is saying somebody else is arrogant. I was like, and, oh, wow. And the other thing I point yeah. out about that conflict is we dropped so much napalm on North Korea. Oh, my Korea. God, yes. We burned North Korea to the ground in the early 1950s. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if you look at it, Vietnam and go back a little further mm-hmm. we dropped napalm like nobody's business in Korea. oh yeah it was there was always a solution toward bombing you know or some sort of you know chemical usage and you saw that carried over in vietnam too with agent orange and right. again, napalm thermite well, we didn't laos and everything yeah. yeah and and the end is the end result was you know it just doesn't really work we always had 
It seemed that we always had problems conducting Asian land wars. We just I tell you like, what, we get even... high enough over them, we just <laughs> drop <laughs> stuff on them. Mm-hmm. Well, that was part of it, though, yeah. too. Is like you know, we had B twenty nines, and we had uh, some of the jets we had at that period of time. Well, let's put it this way: in nineteen fifty, there was an air contest held between some of our top-of-the-line jet fighters and a German ME-262 that was captured, Messerschmitt still looked really good because they were prone yeah. to, like, flameouts and all kinds of things. And a flameout, now this sounds really stupid, but in the early days of jet travel, even with these military fighters, the jet engines would literally just stop working. You know, so it would just, the fuel wouldn't ignite and you're just riding that baby down. It's not like you can it's just restart it. Glider time, yeah. Right. So are these like F-80s or F-84? No, this the... is before the Sabres. Uh, this would have been like, you know, the <clears throat> P-80s and the Panthers and so well, yeah, forth. The I think the P-80 and the F-80, isn't that the same thing? Um, um I think so. I yeah, more I, or less. I, I was thinking, you know, at, after a certain point, we really threw a lot into, you know, getting our jet fighters up to speed too. So we had the saber, right. which kind of turned the air war around. That was the F eighty six, right? The saber. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that that we finally got it right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a great plane, and yep. and that that was certainly a match for the MIG. But you know, we did have a real problem. Uh, the one. On the on the peninsula itself, uh, you know, one of the things you can give MacArthur though was you know the Battle of Inchon. Mm-hmm. I mean that that was a pretty gutsy kind of D Day like landing where. No, he's he, good at that. You just have to stop him at a certain point. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a very yeah. good book about MacArthur called American Caesar, and I highly recommend it <laughs> if you're interested in it because the man is is fascinating and one of these people that, as an American, you don't really want to admit that he's one of ours. Uh, like you say, he, he learned under Blackjack Pershing in the Philippine insurrection, shot, burned, and bayoneted veterans in the bond marches in the early 30s. He was not a great individual. Wow. And certainly had political designs. He's like Custer. Had Custer lived, he probably would have had political designs in Washington. So there's another one we probably owe the Cheyenne. What was, and well, then he didn't go to uh, quietly either because he gave a speech after Truman fired him. And that's Have you where, ever listened to that speech? Yeah, and that's where he said, what, uh, old generals... Old soldiers never die. They just fade away. They just fade away. But, but what he said before that is it, he said something to, to uh, like... Uh, it was my constant effort to preserve them and end this savage conflict honorably and with the least loss of time and a minimum sacrifice of life. Its growing bloodshed has caused me the deepest anguish and anxiety. Those gallant men will remain often in my thoughts and in my prayers always. I am closing my 52 years of military service. When I joined the Army, even before the turn of the century, it was the fulfillment 
of all my boyish hopes and dreams. The world has turned over many times since I took the oath on the plane at West Point, and the hopes and dreams have long since vanished. But I still remember the refrain of one of the most popular barrack ballads of that day, which proclaimed most proudly that old soldiers never die. They just fade away. And like the old soldier of that ballad, I now close my military career and just fade away. An old soldier who tried to do his duty as God gave him the light to see that duty. Goodbye. So did he steal it from Chevy or did Chevy steal it from, isn't that the, the Chevy slogan? Like old Chevys never die, they just fade away or something like that? I don't possibly. I think I've seen that on a t-shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, I think I know the, the, the red on fake ones you mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. sure. I know what you're saying. Uh-huh. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but he, he said something. I wish I could remember the exact words. Oh, we'll put it in the podcast. Okay, we should. Public domain. Yeah. It, it was fascinating. He essentially made it sound like God talked to him directly <laughs> and and that oh. he had this personal relationship with God. And I think people were buying it. Mm. You know, So he he definitely would have had political aspirations, but yeah. it well, never really in gelled. Some ways, always, in, I always <laughs> believe someone when they say they have a personal relationship with God that... If you look yeah. back and you do a yeah. big Marvel what if, I mean, what if we would have listened to MacArthur and gone ahead with it? I mean, it is possible that we could have at that time routed the North Koreans, but the backlash could have been that might have been the moment where they needed to test their nuclear missiles, you know? And, That's right. You know, I, right. who knows, though? Who knows? Yeah, you don't know. I mean, if we did actually just invade and capture North Korea. And, and you'd have then, a unified Korea under Korea some would, kind of sovereign. Yeah. I don't. I don't think yeah. we had the nuclear weapon inventory to not to, us. to to do what MacArthur wanted to do, which is essentially try to scare the Chinese into not intervening mm-hmm. and using nuclear weapons. And plus, yeah, I well, mean, that's what bolstered the Russians to support the Koreans in the first place. Right. You know, once intelligence started making it that way, they understood that mm-hmm. you know this Hiroshima and Nagasaki mm-hmm. was probably a one-time deal at the moment. So they were totally all in supporting North Korea. It's just a question of had we kept going, could we have then said our new line in the sand is here, you know, instead of the 38th? I'm guessing not because, you know, if we had used a nuclear weapon anywhere in the Korean Peninsula, certainly in China, we would not have had the number of troops and considering, you know, the mm-hmm. the, the difficult terrain in that area and everything – I guess it's like the old saying goes, you can shoot him, but you'll probably just piss him off. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you, all you well, do is is make sure that you, you have an almost everlasting land war going on. It would have made a big black scar, but then after the bomb goes off and everything cools off, they there's still they millions and millions. They could have moved everything. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah. You know. the, the number one rule is never get involved in a land war in Asia. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no American boys will die in an Asian land war. But that's a, I actually talked to a veteran of the Vietnam War. He fought for Laos. 
He, you mean in Laos? He, he was, yeah, he was, yeah, he was, he was a Laotian, Laotian. Oh, he was a Hmong fighter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, well, he's, t- I'm not sure what side he might've been actually against Americans. He was just <laughs> trying to defend the country, you know? And he said when the bombers came over and started bombing, he would just, you know, climb under a tree, you know, or, or just take cover and. Wait oh, for them yeah. to go over, and then they'd carry on. It like wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly the bombs did kill. You, you know, so, oh, some of them. I'm uh, sure those many huge of them. Arc light raids were just devastating. Oh, yeah, but, but as can't kill from everyone. The point of view of the soldier: if it doesn't kill you, then you just carry on, and and that's without having the ground troops on the ground to uh, you know secure the area. Mm-hmm. It just really didn't solve the problem. Yeah, right. but that's classic American foreign policy. Yeah, let's throw a plane right. up there and we'll bomb the living hell out of whatever it is. And nowadays it's down to drone fighters, and we send a little uh, drone fighter in that'll do a little specific attack where we think some terrorists. Obama might have been loves some drones, doesn't ago, he? You know, he just keeps wanting to use them and use them and use them. And I'm thinking, what? It's almost the same thing, <laughs> but it's a little more precision to it which doesn't always Not make the really. target right it's a hellfire missile i mean how precise can that be what I'm, what I'm saying is it's a strike on a specific location rather than just flying over and i've seen the footage of the bombs just raining out of the thing yeah. randomly yeah. on it's, a path we it's an improvement over carpet might. bombing but it's interesting but there's always mistakes so but a, yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. is it's still rain down from above no security on the ground really it's just that's right. true too it's, yeah it's yeah. fighting wars from some battlefield that doesn't really exist in the sky and not you know head-to-head yeah Yeah. now if you're doing it to support the ground troops so they can achieve their objective then it that's one thing but it makes sense if you just got this thing flying around doing surveillance and then just saying well i think those are the guys we're looking for and then you just lose that missile but you know how did they get osama bin laden they sent some kick-ass motherfuckers in there to get osama bin laden you know they didn't do yeah. a little strike with a little droney thing. Didn't they just like yeah. ask somebody in Islamabad? Do you, do you know where Osama bin Laden? Hey, what was that big giant castle over there? I mean, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. Osama's that, oh, that's Osama bin Laden. <laughs> oh God! Oh, that, that that was another. Oh, I forgot. There was a a movie preview for this. Um, it's in the mailbag. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Oh Jesus. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so Kim Il Sung lived until 1994. So mm. you know he saw the Soviet Union. Uh, fall. Although I think that even though they started as a Stalinist regime and got a lot of support from Russia, after the um, Sino-Russian split in the early 60s, they definitely more, were much more allied with China. Yeah. Well, he, he also mm-hmm. then really started this Juche idea, uh, which is this form of communism that is more uh, centrist and uh, more xenophobic. So this is right. where he really started down the path right. of we are North Korea. We will do everything ourselves. And it's incredibly hypocritical and incredibly wrongheaded. But it it formed a base around him that he could then espouse these ideas of nationalism right. to that nth degree that he wasn't quite at yet. Because we talked about how nationalistic mm-hmm. the North Korean government was. But the Juche idea is basically a punk idea of fuck you world we'll do everything we'll do it ourselves we'll we do don't it need ourselves. any outside we don't help need you and and part of that comes from the whole being invaded all the time and right constant fear of invasion they're just like we're building it from the inside out we don't need your help 
Oh, by the way, Russia, can we still get all that money from you? And oh, Russia, yeah. how about that food you're getting? Oh, Russia, yeah. can we still get some of those guns from you? Oh, right. Russia, can you give us some of those other things? Oh, China, can we get some food from you? Too? I mean, yeah. constantly <laughs> asking for things, right? it, it, but building the Juche idea. In, it in a yeah. turns out in the 1990s, they, they could not do everything themselves. They could not feed their own people. Oh, God, no. Well, and, that's that's an important point, Torres. Yeah. So the, in, there was this very, very simple industry. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was when you were sent to a labor camp. You were you were going to dig coal. Uh, you were going to mine for coal uh, or do simple labor like chopping down trees. So there's still. I never got the sense of what I've read of North Korean prison camps that it was like a reeducation camp. No, like, like it was more along the 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 line of the Maoist self-criticism and re-education where we wanted to remake you into a, uh, into a good communist. It was more along the German lines of you're going to perform labor at subsistence or below subsistence right. level until you die. Right. And that's going to yeah. power our power plants and that's yeah. going to uh, give us, you know, food. So, so after uh, Kim Il-sung passed away in 94 and his son, who was literally trained for this job, Pretty much from you know birth on, Kim Jong Il, mm-hmm. star of mm-hmm. Team America, World Police. <laughs> <laughs> I did pull that tape out or that DVD. I'm gonna when watch died, that again now. I'll watch just, it again. Oh my god, it's just so awesome. Anyways, once he took over, that was a very troubled time because they were no longer receiving aid from the Soviet Union because the Soviet Union was gone. They had a series of natural disasters, and it resulted yeah. in a devastating famine. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It, it's kind of funny in a way. When he died, they called foreign doctors in, right? Because of course, there's no good doctors in North Korea. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, the shining place is. And, and by the way, you know, being supreme leader, he's mm-hmm. not going to just live forever. So th- that myth is kind of out the window in a funny way. That mm-hmm. right. Of course, he has his but massive he is heart the, attack. Uh, Kim Il Sung is the inter- eternal president. They named him eternal president, yeah. which is kind of bizarre when you start to think about it because it's like you can't be the great leader because that'll always be Kim Il Sung, but he's the eternal president. So, like, that office doesn't really exist. It's no. like this empty chair at a table. But I was talking you about know? Kim Il Sung. Both of them, when they it, died, called in foreign doctors. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it's just that's the way it works. Well, if, right. you, if you remember when Stalin was dying. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Tarek. Go, please go ahead. We have Tourette syndrome. <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just blathering. <laughs> we involve, I'm sorry. It's our compulsion to interrupt Tor. Tourette syndrome. No, I, 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 I'm not trying anything to say here, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. I did say what I was going to say. No, don't let us interrupt. Go. I, I, I was just uh, saying. Uh, See, now we're going to okay. make him say something. Uh, you will say something. I think I said what I was going to say. Or you will go to well, prison camp and you will call Platt. You will thank dear leader. <laughs> oh, I'm so scared. So, so of course, um, yeah. uh, Kim, Il, Kim Il-jung became dear leader. Not great leader, but, you know, so he's a leader, but he's he's dear Mm -hmm. because we watched him grow up. Gosh, darn it. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, as I say, when you mean Kim Jong-il, I'm sorry, Kim Jong-il was dear leader. And because of the natural disasters and because of how unprepared their economy was not to have this huge infusion of cash and so forth, they had this huge famine that probably killed as many estimates run as high as like the total casualty estimates for the Korean War. Yeah, yeah I think two million. Two million would not uh, be out of bounds. Maybe as low as nine hundred thousand. 
But 900,000 <laughs> yeah, still, 900, yeah. that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot, a lot of, of people. drop in the bucket. And, and that's, I mean, that's just, that, that's in modern times. That was in the 90s. Right, and they're calling it the we're, stunted generation. Yeah, yeah because that, that's going to have huge effects. Oh, yeah. You, know? it, you look at their uh, military during that time and maybe even today, uh, those guys are skinny. Yeah. People are not getting a lot of food. There are no fat North Koreans. Well, unless you're dear leader. <laughs> unless you're dear leader, <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. I think we've also seen pictures on the internet of like Kim Jong Il sitting there in his tidy whiteies. Like, oh my god, dude! Drinking a beer. Yeah. <laughs> There's something so sad though watching those uh, this you know the street urchins from oh yeah uh, basic you know I don't know it, it seems like it's out of the 18th. 1800s England, you know, yeah, oh yeah, grabbing food off the street, and they're yeah. just looking for anything they can eat off the street. That's right, just horrible, yeah. and crazy. Kim Il Sung started, I think, their relationship with nuclear power earlier on. You know, during while he was still alive, he wanted to try to introduce nuclear power uh, into North Korea. You know, to have more energy available for you know industry and so forth. And Kim Jong Il. You know, obviously picked up on that. Of course, his take was more with the enriched uranium for weaponry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when he he assumed power too. Now, of course, I'll never remember this, but he took another philosophy, which essentially was just militarization above all things. Right. Well, I I, I think that's been developed. Um, I mean, I think it was always there. Right. But I think it was certainly under Kim Jong Il's regime where. The Korean military was really expanded. Well, I, I also think that's exaggerated in a way because I think when that really started to pick up mm-hmm. is when his health was failing. And I think it really showed that because he has this love and we all know it. Hopefully we all know it. But he has this love of Western culture. Yes. yes. Love of cinema. Love of movies. movies champagne. Elvis Presley. Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il. Yeah. Yes. He has this love of Western culture and this huge interest in what's going on in the world. Yeah, he um, considers himself a film expert, right? Yes. Well, yes. and an internet expert, let's internet. not forget. Oh. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like, he's, probably, he's probably got like the one wire yeah. that comes into North Korea. I wonder Korea. if you ever listened to Tank Ride. <laughs> Pyongyang. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, those guys from Wisconsin, so funny. <laughs> yeah. funny. They're so stupid. <laughs> it's inevitable. <laughs> M O O N. That's a spell. Moon. <laughs> Open up your fucking ears. <laughs> oh, my God. oh yeah. There's nothing like doing mockery in accent. Yes, oh, yes. Man. We are highly advanced Tune in Tokyo. And <laughs> oh, God. There's a gem. There's, I, that's my favorite. Um, but where uh, are we? <laughs> well, no. Uh, Kim Jong Il uh, was. I would say every bit as as brutal as his father. I mean, that's how he was trained. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, I think you could make oh, the same oh, comparison yeah. with right. Assad. You know, in Syria, yeah. that you know, here's here's a person who was trained from birth on that. Now, here's how you keep the little people in line. Mm-hmm. But here's yeah. here's where we were at that I was trying to remember is the nuclear proliferation and this idea of militarization right. really picked up when his health started to fall right around 2008 and. It, rumors started to swirl around that time that maybe he had died and maybe he'd had a stroke and maybe he died and been replaced by one of the people who were <laughs> subbing for him to prevent right. assassination attempts. Right. <laughs> so lots of like from 2008 to 2012, there were talks about is he alive? Is he not alive? Is that really him or is that a dummy as him? 
Do the voice prints match? I mean, giant conspiracy theory. Oh, sure. Wow. I, well, I, if, if you remember, yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, every time a Russian premiere, a Soviet premiere, was in bad health, those exact same rumors would be mm-hmm. flying around for weeks. But, you know, he didn't yeah. appear at the Olympics. I mean, there were things right. he did that were kind of kind of confusing. Like, why, where is he? Why isn't he out there? And why yeah. isn't he promoting that the great North Korea right. is doing everything America couldn't do? You know, right. he should have been right there making fun and, you know. Sure. But, but he wasn't, and it was no. suspicious. So I do think that it's possible. I mean, it's great conspiracy theory. But right. that maybe he died and was, you know, someone else's in his shoes. I do mm-hmm. think it's possible he had a stroke or was in oh, real very, health. I mean, he, something yeah. happened and they'll never tell you what. Someone will someday find out. Probably. But, and then um, probably died around 2012. Regardless, around 2008 and on is when the military started to push this whole, we're going to do this and we're going to do more military testing. And, and that's when things started to take a turn for the worse. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think that it's possible that North Korea itself might have been thinking oh, either the military in North Korea was saying, mm-hmm. now is our push, we can do this because Kim Jong-il is no longer able to tell us not to. Or well, we must do this to distract and to, and to show that we're strong even though our leader is not at the moment. So it's only until he started getting sick in around 2008, 9, 10, 11 mm-hmm. that that stuff really started to pick up. Well, that's true, too. I mean, it's it's possible that he could have been in in maybe not dead, but more or less incapacitated mm-hmm. and not really able to run the government. And you have to remember, too, that yeah. even in the most monolithic of governments, there are prow- powerful factions. In fact, oh, yeah, there's struggles. Uh, you know, one of the well, we, we should at least do a brief mention of Kim Jong Nam, who <laughs> uh, he's he's actually the older brother of the current um I don't know. Let's just call him the fabulous leader. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Uh, awesome. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Kim Jong-un. <laughs> and he's, if you see a picture of the guy, he just, he looks like one of those Buddhas that you would see in a Chinese restaurant that you would rub its belly for good luck. You know, he's just this, this big goofy looking guy. And he, I think, pretty much fell out of favor when they caught him with a fake tra- uh, passport trying to get into the Tokyo Disneyland. <laughs> That'll do it to you. Well, and the plus, it's the Japanese, the hated Japanese. I mean, this guy couldn't have like if if you just like took a shit, Mm -hmm. you know, in the middle of Pyongyang, he couldn't have done anything worse than you know that. That that harkens Uh back to Kim Kim Il Sung, like he was uh, purported to have. Like routed the Japanese single handedly. Oh yeah, as a guerrilla fighter, and he fighter. was everywhere. He helped Mao he fight. Helped, yeah, he did everything. He did everything. What's hilarious is is he did lead a small group in holding a village for right. like a few hours, and then they got pushed back. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, and that, that turned into like took over Japan. You know, this is <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Right place, right time. <laughs> Call to personality. Exactly. Uh-huh. You got three hours of win over the Japanese. There's You're now leader a, of North Korea. You can always spin it to make it look like you did more. Yeah, oh, this yeah. guy was a braggart. He knew how to make it sound good. One thing you can say that I think was a propaganda plus during the Kim Jong-il years is that they did actually sign papers to end the Korean War. Mm-hmm. So it was like it's no longer a ceasefire. It's no longer just an armistice. Yeah. So it's that actually, that actually went ended. through? That actually went through. Okay. Good. But, one thing that but you... it, that was in like 2007. 
Right. So from 1953 to 2007, it could have happened anytime. It, it was just a <laughs> ceasefire. You know, yeah. we- weapons are loaded; they're ready to go. Oh yeah. Yeah, we're just on well, pause. And, you know, and the North Koreans were digging tunnels yeah. under the DMZ as well. Yeah. So there were tunnels all along the DMZ yeah. that the CIA found. And the DMZ is not like a small no. strip of land. So I mean, that's that's impressive. Right. Yeah. This hey, is. I mean, do you know what the most guarded shape on the world is? Mm. The 38th parallelogram. Oh, yes. Hello. Yeah. But actually, I think all night. since 2007, there have been skirmishes. There have been, uh, you know, artillery parades oh, and yeah. uh, ships that have sunk in between North and South Korea. So, yes, it sort of hasn't exactly cooled down well, yeah, yet. Yeah, because the, the line in the sand is not completely clear when you get out to some of those islands. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Um, I know the military has yeah. picked it up more when he was in ill health. But. When your country's at famine and you're trying to push people to give you aid, yeah. you blow some shit up here and there and you try to make a spectacle right. of how evil you are if to get you, them to get you to back down. If you don't give me yeah. <laughs> some money, I'm going to hurt gonna... myself <laughs> no. or possibly other people. Yeah, I can hurt your yeah. sister. Yeah. I have well, artillery. I have artillery. So, so they would shell islands. There would be uh, North Korean troops that would get loose or troops or soldiers or whatever who, you know, one or two that would get loose in South Korea mm. and, and, you know, things mm. like this. Um, every once in a while, the DMZ, some of the boys would get a little bored and someone would whip a grenade over, them. <laughs> you know, that, seriously. And then, you know, fire some rounds, that yeah. kind of stuff. And then of course you have the missile tests. I mean, that freaked the shit out of Japan and a lot of other people when they, you know, you fired that missile off. And yeah. even, you know, I mean, it went and far enough that it's like, okay, they're kind of getting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, also, I think we'd, ha- we'd have to mention, too, the Pueblo incident, uh, you know, where an American uh, ship was, was captured and the sailors held by North Korea. In the late 60s. Okay. In fact, uh, there was a Star Trek um, TOS <laughs> episode, the Enterprise incident, that was essentially a copy of that. You know, that's the one where uh, they grabbed the cloaking device. Ground from control. From the Romulus. To make it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, Seeking Major Tom. That is an awesome Judas said. But... The thing, the thing that uh, that in the West is is not probably well understood is everyone was like, oh, you know, Kim Jong Il's dead now, and his you know twenty seven year old son now is mm-hmm. has assumed power. Yeah, I mean that's a lot for a twenty seven. Kim Jong Un. Kim Jong Un. Yeah. What's I mean? Is there is the regime breaking down? Is it collapsing? I would say probably no. It, it's it might be running yeah. down. Yeah, we don't know I'm yet. Leaning but... toward yes. But it would it it could take years for oh, that structure yeah. to fall. It could still run out. Plus, it's an amazing it's an amazing system of uh, the totalitarian regime. It's just so crazy because I don't know if you've seen any interviews with uh, actual North Koreans, but it's kind of crazy how much they worship the dear leader and the supreme oh, yeah. leader, and and when yeah. you actually see North Koreans worshiping the shrines of. These guys and yeah. talking to foreigners who they hate about their dear leader and their Question wonderful is, world. Are they worshiping out of fear or because of the true belief? That's the that's the thing and that you Orwell don't would, know. That yeah. Orwell would say it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. And at this point, it is so far down the tube that it's probably both. Yeah, yeah. and that's what they've makes seen. It room one hundred and one more fascinating. Yeah. Their it, life it, is room like one hundred and one. Catholic yeah. guilt combined with yeah. 
Catholic faith. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Rem- remember seeing like you know North Korean television after Kim Jong Il died? Oh, and the commentator couldn't even, or the broadcaster couldn't even, just breaking down sobbing. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, they're faking it, they're faking it. Well, after generations, I, no, no you're, you're real about it, and you're sure that if you're not real enough about it, yeah. you're going to go to a prison camp. You stop crying, yeah, you bastard. So you cry because you mean mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Damn it! Yeah, room you, 101. It's real George Orwell. Room 101. It is. It's it's that's pure amazing. Orwell. It's yeah. amazing that it's real and it exists in the world with us today. Mm-hmm. You know, with us crazy Americans and our silly little podcasts. There's these people out there worshiping him as if he were the sun, and there's millions of them. Yeah, and and they're they're sure that they are oh. the best race. The you know meaning of life on this planet mm-hmm. and they're living in absolute squalor it's they the, are the lo- chosen ones cult of personality and it's incredibly successful you know victor one thing i wanted to yeah. mention is what you mentioned before was about how they how both kim uh il-sung and kim jong-il both wanted to have foreign doctors it's, it's sort of like uh stalin mm-hmm. when he was being poisoned and that was what they had called uh the beginning of the jewish doctor purge so he started getting really paranoid. I mean, he, he was always in, incredibly anti-Semitic. But had he lived past 1953, that could have been, you know, the Holocaust part two. Mm-hmm. And what was what was was, I guess, as you were saying before, it's funny, but it's not really funny, was that because he distrusted all these Jewish doctors so much when he was dying, you know, he just had all these kind of, you know, <laughs> kind of flunky interns around him, like, yeah. I don't know, I don't know. Um, make him sit up and give well, him some soup. Yeah, it's the dumbing down of it's the dumbing down of the Russian society. And mm-hmm. and yeah. great filmmakers and great writers have, have written in great detail about this. And it's disturbingly sad that your whole culture can be oh, yeah. affected to such a level by someone like this. And it's amazing mm-hmm. to lose. I mean, imagine and and i'm not saying america's above this either i'm saying no no that, oh, no no, yeah. no, you no know, we're already is... we're already idealizing our complete intellectual idiots like rick santorum oh. are on on the you know giant you know spiders but thank god they're non binding they're non binding well, primaries well, 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 look kim hi. kardashians rick santorum hi I, i'm rick santorum i just want to let you know that i'm still running for president and I'm not Mitt Romney. Yeah. And I'm not Newt Gingrich. <laughs> and I'm certainly not Ron Paul. I hate gays. <laughs> yeah. So remember, you can always vote for me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, if you're a Republican, you look at the ballot of like, well, he's like the only one I can stomach. So I guess I'll put a check by his I know, name. but the fact that he's yeah. still politically alive just sort of makes me sick. He stays yeah. wider yeah. later. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Rinse, repeat. <laughs> I hate gays. Have I told you that? I hate gays. I think that's an old David Cross bit, too, so I'm not stealing. <laughs> Just sampling. <laughs> but oh, man. one of the things that, I mean, so, so after Kim Jong-il died, there was a lot of speculation about, okay, you had this young son. At the time... There were no recent pictures. I think the most recent picture we had of him is when he was nine years old. Wow! In the West, mm. uh, since and of course we've seen more recent pictures. But yeah, the thing that intrigues me the most is that everyone's saying, "Well, you know, what if 
South Korea has actually tried to reach out at mm-hmm. various times. Like they had the sunshine policy where they were trying to right. kind of establish relations and everything. But of course, that's not in the best interest no, of North Korea that. in any way, shape or form. But people kept speculating, saying, well, you know, what if South Korea does this? What if America can do that? What if, you know, who can, you know, put pressure on it? It's like it, it really comes down to, I, to me, two items. Mm-hmm. One is, is that waiting in the wings, there's a very powerful uncle of um, Kim, uh, Kim Jong-un, uh, which is uh, Zhang Song-tek. <clears throat> He's very powerful. He is, uh, you know, I could say the un- his uncle and, you know, has direct connections to the family and uh, really considered to be one of the master manipulators and powers behind the throne, mm-hmm. uh, the Kim throne. So... I don't know whether Kim Jong Un will be a uh, you know a meat puppet essentially, or if this guy is going to try to grab power for himself. It's hard to say. Yep. But to me, I don't think that anybody in the West or South Korea has thing one to say about North Korea. I think the only country on this planet that has any determining power or factor in North Korea would be China, because. It, to me, it is in China's best interest to keep a weaker communist ally on its border than it is to to possibly have a united Korea. And I'm not saying democratic. I'm not completely convinced South Korea is democratic. So. Right. South Korea is awesome, but, but yeah, not democratic <laughs> necessarily. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, it's called that, but, you know, it, I, I don't think that. You would probably call it that if you were there and, you know, you saw the, how the elections mm. were run and so forth. Right, mm. right, right. So well, you're right. I just yeah, I have a feeling that the isolationist policy, maybe they can maybe they can keep this running and they can keep lying to the people that they're doing this whole Juche idea. And it's still just North Korea against the world. Right. And then get china to pump in more help i think china will do exactly china, that though. yeah i think china mm-hmm. could but you know russia could too at this point it's it's weird and yeah. i don't know that it's i don't know that russia has as much influence in north no. korea as it once did like i say after the sino-soviet right. split i mean right. I, I think agree. it's pretty much china but but with the way the faction is falling right now i don't know who's gonna really be in charge of this next regime yet i yeah. mean i don't think well, we really know some what Kim of the ill is really gonna be doing so, or Kim, Kim Jong-un, you mean? Kim Jong-un. I don't know right. if we well, really know what he's Some of the doing. early indication just from photos and stuff that we are getting of uh, Kim Jong-un is he always seems to be surrounded by these senior military leaders right. of that the North, North Korean military. So it, it appears there might be some real high-ranking officers that are sort of gui- right. guiding him. And actually might be wielding quite a bit of power within the country. So I think at this stage he's probably yeah. kind of a you know sort of an inexperienced meat puppet. Now later on he might become a full fledged Kim level dictator, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think so right now. But I, I guess to me I would see. I mean the machinery has been so entrenched and and in place for so many decades that to me it's kind of like Rome. That no matter how decadent and chaotic the center might be, the outer machinery just continues to function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Now yeah. it's possible. Who the hell knows? It could and be. Just... That's actually, in a way, that's one of the mistakes we made in Iraq. Is we, we completely dismantled the bureaucracy, right? So it made chaos. It right. turned Iraq into chaos. If we had let 
things stay in place, you know, the government bureaucrats, they just keep working, moving along and, you right. know, doing their job. They don't necessarily have to have the leader at the top to, to get but it you done. you speak as if that was our goal. Mm. Oh, oh well, to, to maintain a peace. Right, and, to maintain a peace and peace. I don't society. know. I, yeah. I, think well, the pro- I think the problem was just pure incompetence there, though, because I don't think they, they yeah. remembered the lessons of denazification well, under the Marshall Plan. Well, I'm just saying that the goal might have yeah. been... Hussein, and that's it. Beyond that, who cares? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. That, well, that's what I'm saying. It certainly like, was unplanned it, enough that it could have right, been right. exactly and, that. And I'm not saying yeah. it's like a Machiavellian, let's destroy Iraq, but more of a like, okay. our goal is Hussein, right. exactly. damn everything it, else, who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that was obviously short-sighted and, and 2020 hindsight. And quite frankly, if you were paying attention while it was happening, you should have been able to administer that conflict in a much more efficient manner oh yeah i mean it's now the smoke is starting to clear on some of our almost biblical village clearing you know in iraq and and some yeah. of these other things that that went on and uh, yeah we don't come out looking real good you know america's right. made so many bad decisions that i think even our hindsight is getting bad oh uh, yeah i think you're right <laughs> I mean, it's like halftime in America. I'd say, <laughs> it's no, halftime yeah. in America. It's, it's the fourth quarter, and we're kind of fucked. <laughs> it's time to take a leak. It's time to walk away from the TV. Hail Mary time. Let's yeah. just take a minute. Yeah, dab it, dab it, DB, DB, DB. I mean, after a while, it was just like, God, dude, clear your throat or something. <laughs> Maybe I should have another cigarette. <laughs> Maybe I should protect Gotham from the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did have a very Christian bail. I got it. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I'm Wolverine and this is the X Men. <laughs> well, if you have some opinions on North Korea or the international situation or, or the acts of evil or Clint Eastwood, please let us know at feedback at tankriot.com. Just to uh, kick in some uh, documentaries, movies you might want to check out. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the earliest movies made on Korea was a movie called Cease Fire. Which oh, yes. was actually filmed before the ceasefire in anticipation of the ceasefire occurring. And uh, it was filmed in 1953 in North Korea using real soldiers with real bullets. But they were soldiers, not actors, so the acting is uh, rather stiff. When you emailed that, I just, like, ran out to get that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it leaves you with the weirdest impression. It, it, does, like, it is kind of weird. Is it but, hopeful? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a different movie. I'm, I'm not necessarily saying it's a great movie or anything, which it's not, but... Could it, you watch it in 3D or... <laughs> oh, the copy I saw was in 2D, oh, but, but yeah, okay. Victor's right. When this movie originally came out, it was in 3D. It was shot in 3D. Seriously? It, so you had to have the glasses? Yeah. But I mean, we're yeah. talking old about red and blues. We're talking the old red, red and blues. blues. <laughs> That's yeah. right. It was shot in 3D on black and white film in monophonic sound. So, well, that's, <laughs> which is kind of funny. They went with the 3D <laughs> video. sound. But but the sound that's right. One ear only, bitches. You, you know, so the the visuals are in stereo, but the sound <laughs> is only in mono. You, you know, stereophonic and uh, stereo optic or whatever is. Uh, you know, they parallel each other uh, in that respect. But it's an interesting movie from a historical standpoint, and, and I guess uh, people a little more knowledgeable than me, they they do notice the difference in the guns. Of course. It, it kicking off the real rounds versus the, the oh. blanks. If I've learned and, anything, someone yeah. else on the internet is smarter than me. 
Yeah. They'll notice that there wasn't a real gun. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, uh, uh, I'm oh, sorry. Well, you... another one is uh, Kim Jong-ila. And no, uh, I, I think I might have seen that one. Is that probably, one about a lot of escapees escaping? I from think that's North the Korea? one about the escapees and yeah, stuff I mean, like if that. If you want to watch some hardship in the middle of February, yeah, yeah, yeah. watch this one. But uh, it reminds me of a lot of some of the gulag escapes. It's great because all these people actually did escape, but to hear the story of yeah. how they were born, they lived their lives, and then they were totally ruined by a dictator and mm-hmm. a totalitarian regime for absolutely arbitrary reasons. Yeah, right? trivial. Yeah, it I was mean, nothing. I, I can almost not handle this kind of story anymore because I've lived enough of the Soviet style, you know, of this happening. But to hear it from the Korean perspective, it's really eye-opening. And yeah. it's – I don't even want to call it entertainment in any way, but it's a, a true documentary about – pain and loss and suffering yeah, and yeah. I mean, escape. There's not a lot known in the West about North Korea. Not certainly as much as we know about well, other countries. Well, we've got countries. the prison camps numbered. Yeah. We know, we know this is a totalitarian regime filled with prison camps. I mean, yeah. there's no denying that. Although no, no, no. But it it's, doesn't it's, happen. It's, it's fascinating. I mean, in just that it's it's one of yeah. these things where we think we know mm-hmm. and there's it's it's just literally this amazing fragment of the Cold War. Oh, it's very difficult for anyone to get in and out yeah. of the country. Yeah. yeah. Usually it's for humanitarian reasons like that Holy Saling uh, National yeah, that Geographic was thing. Inside or... North Korea from National Geographic. That was yeah. an older one, I remember. That was, yeah, but that was amazing. It, it, they uh, A doctor came in that uh, did cataract surgery. That's right. He was an eye So doctor. he was uh, very helpful. To, he gave a lot of people their sight back. Wow. And uh, what was amazing, when they got their sight back, they weren't grateful to the doctor. They were <laughs> grateful and thankful to the dear leader. They ran right past the doctor to go to the paintings on the wall of, and thank dear leader for getting yes. their eyesight back and that they would wow. kill those Americans. You know, one by, like, I remember someone saying that yeah. they would just kill the Americans and and it was an American that provided the surgery. It was just unbelievable. I mean, yeah, you got to wonder that. Let's say I don't know the, the the regime fell, and you know, humanitarian aid went in to try to help and get things organized and everything. You got to kind of wonder what the psychological impact that would It'd be. be unbelievable. It's going to take Actually, a while. Actually, they wouldn't believe it. It would take they a while. They wouldn't believe it. I, I, I'm the sure The packages right. yeah. would be coming from Dear Leader. I mean, it's just yeah. like a lot of Stalinist denialists. It would be happening because yeah. of But, I mean, this this is far more entrenched it's than anything yeah. Stalin. Yeah. Oh, it would I mean, these, the, the Kim family is, like, magical. Right. Yeah. It right. would probably go decades. I mean, yeah. but, it, you know, it would be like the stories of World War II of... Uh, Soldiers stuck on islands, uh, Japanese soldiers thinking the war was still going on. I can remember as a kid hearing those stories, like when they they still (laughs) got a couple of those guys in the 70s. And it was the one one guy went back to Japan to teach survival classes. And it's like, I take a survival class from this dude. Yeah. yeah, You know? But Uh I got to say, like, um, in the information society, in the information culture, if you could get an iPod, you get those kind of humanitarian things there where they could have books and access to the internet and all of a sudden start reading about other cultures. A lot of what people were hearing about South Korea, they just thought were bald-faced lies because 
nothing could be better than life in North Korea. And yeah. then when they escaped, they would find out that, holy crap, you know, the world but is wonder, a beautiful, wonderful place. It doesn't gotta, have to be like There's got to be a whole set of psychological problems that go along with that, mm-hmm. though, oh, before yeah. you can you can just even accept that. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And I mean, cell phones are banned in North Korea. Sure. You know, you're not allowed computers and you're not allowed right. you know, phone systems. It's- yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to say, I know this is not, you know, North Korea, and I probably should have mentioned this at the, the top of the show, but in a way this kind of almost fits better now is, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, coming over to the West and things are better. And it's it's amazing when you watch these cable channels that originally started to be, you know, educational and have documentaries and you know, create new documentaries and they just become freak shows like the learning channel, you know, there's, right. there's that, the you, history channel, the history <laughs> channel. And, and of course now, now national geographic is, is like so far into, you know, UFOs, Bigfoot, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a new series that premiered uh, last Tuesday. Oh no. And I, I got <laughs> to tell you, so, know. so they had new, they had two, <laughs> two new episodes of it back to back. And I, I literally could take about 10 minutes of it. I was excited. Uh, okay. Because let me guess, Nazis. No, 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 okay. no, no. I had you to would guess. think that I would. <laughs> no, it was called Doomsday Preppers. Oh yes, I wanted to see that so bad. Oh, Ugh. you don't. You don't want. <laughs> well, I do to. want to see that. Okay. So okay. The Is reason I the reason I wanted to see it was this. It was so, so uh, essentially without knowing too much about it, just seeing like the commercials for it. Uh, you know, people have a variety of different theories about how the world is going to end, you know, what the apocalypse is going to be. And these are the preparations that they've done for. Right. But once you start seeing these people and how much energy and they just involve their whole families in like storing all this food and doing practice bug outs. Uh, and, and then, of course, it's, oh, it's never just about like, well, I'm going to I'm going to you know, have this place out in the country and I'm going to do my best to make it energy efficient and get it off the grid. So if something happens, you know, I'll still have, you know, and have gardens Mm -hmm. and everything. That's actually fairly, you know, not such a big deal, but then it always involves having a lot of ammo and having the target practice and everything else. And here, Mm -hmm. here's, so, you know, there's some people that think, okay, there's going to be like the pole shift and that'll have all this devastation. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. The pole flip. And so you, you know, you have, or, or super quakes, you know, from like Yellowstone or or whatever. So it's interesting to hear those different theories, but then when you see all the time and effort and energy these people put into it, and then to add insult to injury, the program rates them. <laughs> really? Okay, so they had this oh, family. Oh, doing a class two. So, you know, you thought, okay, well, we're just going to highlight all these different people and then you make up your own mind and we're just going to move on to a different topic and a different group of people and what their theories mm-hmm. are about how the world ends and how they're prepping for it. No, they actually treat it like a goddamn game show <laughs> and say, oh, well, they're keeping wow. all their food in one location. That actually you lose in ratings. So then they come back three months later like fucking house hunters and, you know, like saying, oh, you know, here's the apartment in in Denmark and here's mm-hmm. what we've done with it. And they come back and say, yeah, actually, we moved some of our food to uh, caches along the way of our bug out uh, route. And we, you know, split it up. And I'm like, oh, good. So now you're fucking encouraging it. You know, so it just it just made me so sad. They're rating them that way, not 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 rating them on uh, 
crazy right. versus sane. Are you a fucking loon? Yeah. Yeah. And you're just hiding okay. ammo and food Usually down in a basement. Usually I'm totally against this stuff. I'm watching this show. <laughs> you know, okay. I'll report back if you guys okay, want fine. to. Or I'll tell you. I just, I kept watching bad. it. I just thought, oh my God, this is, I feel God, so sad so right now. I just, oh. <laughs> and then it's on the National Geographic channel. And then, then he raided them. That's what kills me. <laughs> It's like, yes, you guys are out here with, you know, more ammo than, you know, gun shops have. But and you have all the kids. The kids are all learning how That's to shoot. That's the worst part. I mean, I don't learning want how, kids to learning how to shoot and stuff. But you know, these little kids like herding their goats under the yeah. school buses yeah. and shit. But when you're teaching them stuff that's really not scientifically supported or it's like it, it, it shouldn't be the the center of their lives. You know, yeah, well, probably, could, it probably is scientifically supported. I'm air quoting now. Right. I mean, yes, you because can, they you, probably are all homeschooled by these loons. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a super quake. It <laughs> might happen, but to dedicate your life to it seems yeah. kind of silly. It does. It does. And then then they had in this other guy who just walks around Los Angeles and eats weeds that are around in the hills. God, I gotta watch. Guessing he's, he's oh, I call, I'm guessing he's a negative one on the scale. Of yeah, he's really socked in the ratings. You know, you'll run out of weed. <laughs> it's just so, when I the mean, Martians God, invade. And... Oh no! Oh, did you hear? Did you tell me, or was it somebody else that they're remaking Red Dawn? Oh yeah, yeah, that remake's in the works. Fuck. Wolverine. Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> You can't remake Red Dawn with a You can't. Yeah. You can't. It's a, a fact, classic. We should watch that movie again. We should that watch it. It is a classic. It. it is. Little Charlie Sheen. Little Charlie yeah. Sheen, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. They're all in there. Killer. Hey, well, speaking of entertainment and getting back to North Korea. Goal. <laughs> you you kind of got to give a shout out to the gigantic uh, public displays they have. Of uh, when they have the, like the placards and everything, yeah, where they... they're you know celebrating North Korea, That's celebrating awesome. the dear leader. There's I don't know, there's like a bazillion North Koreans, and they're all you know in color coded and dancing in coordination, and uh, there's you know flags and <laughs> it's it's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. all part of the propaganda. It's all part of this oh, evil regime. Or if you miss one but, move, you're going to a prison camp. Yes. Oh, yeah. Which is, yeah. yes. The, you these, just, so so it takes the funny. amazing part and kind of makes it, oh, my God. Yeah. That's kind of wrong. Yeah, you, you exactly. Like to be the guy that would I know. Somehow, like, change the placard so it's like, on one side, it's, it makes it look like Dear Leader. On the other side, it's like the Packers or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just thought it'd be a good funny joke, yo. Yeah. Uh, All these people, you, you gotta, you, you, you're digging coal for the rest of your life, oh, along with your whole family. Oh, yeah. I heard that too. That in that uh, former Soviet gulag where they were um, was like Kolimar. Mm-hmm. Where the, you know they had all these guys digging for gold, probably with their bare hands, and it's like fifty below. They actually are doing like commercial mining there now. Uh. <laughs> really. Warmer below the ground. I think you're probably yeah. going to run into some things you're not going to want to dig well, up. Well, in North Korea, there's this uh, something I was reading about a long time ago. They have this really tall building, and it it, it kind of curves up, and uh, so so it's kind of sort of pyramid shaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks really cool, but I I think they use substandard concrete or something, so it's maybe structurally iffy. So it's kind of it's kind of a failure. <laughs> Um, but it's just, you know, there's just interesting, weird yeah. stuff like that. Mm. And they, we need a monument. 
Yeah, and, and you know, near the border, they would uh, erect a taller flagpole than what yeah. they had oh, yeah, in the South Korea. The South Korea. It's like yeah. you know who has the bigger penis they kind of also, thing. They would also have <laughs> fake uh, villages. There were yes. opulent villages that nobody lived in. Nobody near the South Korean border. Show how great it was. we're doing pretty damn good. Come over yeah. here. And yeah. yeah, look at this shit. Yeah. It reminds me when, yeah, when the czar would travel around. Yeah. They would set up these puppet villages. Oh, we're doing great here. And they'd break them down and move them to the next village. Thanks, yeah. czar. Set them up again. Uh-huh. Thanks, czar. Woo-hoo. Yeah. You're kind of blazing saddles like, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, right. gentlemen, um, should we move on to the mailbag? We should hit the mailbag. Okay, I've got one from Courtney, uh, which I think is a really nice letter. She discovered our podcast through Boing Boing, which I, I think a lot of listeners do. She really enjoyed our podcast with uh, our podcast with uh, about Hunter S. Thompson and Philip K. Dick, and suggested doing a podcast about Ralph Steadman. Uh, who, I love Steadman, who is uh, you know one of Hunter S. Thompson's uh, artists for, for a lot of his yeah. novels, and also. Uh, a longtime friend, and I actually have his book that he wrote after uh, Thompson's suicide, which is is really interesting reading. So, yeah, that's a very real possibility. Thank you mm. for the compliments and the suggestion, Courtney. Richard? I would say, I, I well, I have one from uh, Cadence who wanted to leave a comment about the use. We recently re-mentioned how I don't want to grow fuel out of things we could feed people with. And what was interesting is this idea of uh, bacteria or algae as a viable fuel source. And there are articles, and uh, they sent a great one about using algae and that kind of thing for, sure. for growing food. And I remember back when we did our whole episode on fuel growth, it was before that idea had even sparked and started. Well, well th- we, we um, did mention that idea. I think right, but it was we're talking about oils. getting off the ground. This was yeah. 2006. Maybe yeah, it was like a brand new idea. When yeah. we did it. So. I mean, I think the gist of our <clears throat> alternate energy podcast was more along the lines of, at the time, uh, Bush was you know talking about using cut grass and yeah. everything. and switchgrass. Switchgrass. And, and the whole thing was just bullshit to me because I it was— I wanted to kick the ethanol thing in the nuts. Yeah, it was just another way to keep the the refineries going, and that's mm-hmm. where the money for the oil companies really goes. And well, you know, and keep the corn um, subsidies going as well. Exactly. So exactly. it was like two subsidies for one. You can use that for you a lot of other things, things other than yeah. just you know fueling a big ass SUV. Right, so. right. But I think you're right, yeah. and I think it's really exciting the whole idea of algae, the whole yeah. idea of bacteria, the Perfect. idea that we can grow things that could create fuel as a byproduct is. So much more efficient than the idea of growing things on arable land. Yeah. In order to. Oh, well, I mean, right. as far as that goes, if you if you want if you can uh, make fuel from algae, uh, why don't you just retire a bunch of those huge super tankers? You know, anchor them in a port somewhere, grow all of it there, and then you're still pulling fuel off the super tanker. The difference is it's not pouring all over mm. an ocean somewhere or. Well, yeah. I could if we put the right captain in charge. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I set my charges, and then I'm off. Yeah. So thanks for that email. But for the record on uh, ethanol, the one good use for it is, uh, in, you know, in times like this in February in uh, tropical Madison, Wisconsin, uh, alcohol has, as I understand it, a lower freezing point than gasoline. So if you have the ethanol blend gasoline, less likely you you will have a fuel line freeze. Yeah. So just a little tip of the day. 
Yeah, that's probably a good idea, uh, too. Uh, we received an email from Eric from Norway, and he just uh, compliments us on the show. I guess he started around the Studio Ghibli episode and has enjoyed many of the episodes. Kanusnakanorsk. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and uh, he's, first off, he's asking if it, it Asking us if we're fans of the Criterion Collection. Indeed. Yeah. Now, what <laughs> is that? Movies? Yes. Yeah, I, I thought I, I've seen stuff where that you know has that label on it. Mm-hmm. But he's talking about Dazed and Confused. Is that that the Dazed and Confused movie? Yeah. Would he be talking about? Yeah. yeah. I, and you I've know seen what? That. I'm probably going against the grain on this one. I don't care who's in my court on this one. I hate that movie. I hate that movie. And oh, yeah? everyone I know loves that movie. And you know what? Fine. Love that movie. <laughs> I hate that movie. Well, there I said it. No, actually, <laughs> is I, that the one with <laughs> Matthew McConaughey? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. They yeah, keep, it's been a while since I've seen it. I keep getting older, and they keep getting younger, younger. and it's like, oh, that's just so creepy <laughs> yeah, on so many levels. Yeah. Well, you know, I, in a, in a way, I agree with you, uh, Victor. I I like the soundtrack, and I liked the idea of Richard Linklater doing. Uh, I like Richard Linklater. I yeah. love Richard Linklater. I had great high hopes. Yeah. Slackers was one of my favorite movies. Oh, of all absolutely! Time. That's a classic. Uh, that's based in. It was fi- all filmed in Austin. It's one of these great mm-hmm. string of consciousness great town. type films. A wonderful film, and yeah. yeah, I like him. I like a lot of his works, and a lot of people see this as one of his, you know, great works. And pff, I hated it. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I enjoyed it, but it didn't stand out as awesome or anything you know it had moments i think i was in computer club too much i wasn't in, i wasn't at the parties yeah I, maybe i'm well, just like we're, out we of weren't the, the cool kids Be, but, being a but, survivor of those times i was in fact at those parties yeah but to me that movie was more about texas mm-hmm. than it was about the 70s now a lot of the clothes that they wore you know like the guys who had the overalls and the one guy had the long hair and was always wearing the road cap and everything and always wanted someone to shotgun him and everything yeah i knew those guys mm-hmm. the general feel of it with like the paddling and everything else just struck me as kind of uniquely texan rather than yeah. about the 70s itself yeah and <laughs> Probably yeah. uh, that '70s show uh, grabs uh, '70s in the, the oh. in Wisconsin much better. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It does hit the sweet spot a little bit. Sitting, sitting, sitting around the you know cable spool table getting loaded. That was definitely yeah. more my memory of yeah. the cable spool table. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. yeah, absolutely. Oh Come on, like everyone a, had one. I mean, well, Red, you can see the feel the evil from Sheboygan's <laughs> coming in or something like that. I don't know. Forget you know what, what the worst was, was dropping something into the middle of the cable spool table. Yeah, you know where you could never get it out again. You couldn't. You yeah. couldn't because it, it went somewhere in some magical place inside. It's where all socks are. Yeah, that's right. And car keys. <laughs> Iterick is. Uh, he also asks is uh, what our view is of his country, Norway, and uh, perhaps Scandinavia as a whole. And uh, well, for myself, I've never been to Norway or Scandinavia. The closest I've gotten is Germany, but I I do come from a Norwegian heritage. Some of that has uh, still spilled over and uh, continues in the United States, primarily the, the desserts. So krumkaka, 
Sambacles, uh, Lefsa. Lefsa. <laughs> and we, you know, codfish, and I have a very nice sweater. And, uh, you know, he's keeping the sweater, yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I've spent time in, I've spent time in yeah. Norway. I'm Norwegian and I'm Irish. And I've gone to both places several times. And I, he sent pictures of Bergen, which is a beautiful port city. And yeah. I've been up there and I loved it. And it's a beautiful town. I just remember being so broke when I was there because I just, I just couldn't afford anything really. But, yeah. uh, I have family in Oslo and I have family in, yeah, the mainland of Norway, and uh-huh. I visited, and I I love Norway. I love oh the yeah, it's a beautiful I, country. I've, my parents have been there, and and other relatives, and I've seen yeah. pictures, and I definitely want to go someday. And well, uh, yeah, you know, Bergen was wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for sending the pictures. It just brought me back, basically. Oh yeah, I'm not Scandinavian at all, but I've always had a very deep respect for uh, well, Scandinavian. Yes, I am African. <laughs> that African pilot. <laughs> that African pilot. He is Afrikaans piloting. <laughs> but uh, I've seen the Hitler video. <laughs> so upset about you. <laughs> but I've always had a very deep respect for uh, Scandinavian culture and history, and they are countries that I do very much hope to visit one day. Oh. I, I would love to. Beautiful. Beautiful. I would love to own a Volvo too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's required. That's... I've got one from uh, Shalikta who uh, he mentioned that we we again brought up the Rankin Bass Christmas special and told us that we should really check out the uh, second season of Community, the episode called Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, and the whole yeah. episode's done in the style of a Rankin Bass stop motion. I did see that. I saw this after we recorded that episode, and mm-hmm. before I received this email, uh, the Viking Princess and I were were watching Community because she likes it as well. And it that one came on, and it was fantastic. It is really, really good. Uh, and they do the animation the whole time throughout really well, and it's mm-hmm. based on Abed. Mm-hmm. It is a really, really, really good episode. I think so, too. And I'm yeah. very saddened that Community is on hiatus, well, which may or may not. I heard it not... was coming back. Yeah, but... see, that's always kind of yeah. tough. You never know. And Yeah, I feel, I feel bad as a watcher that they put it back-to-back with other shows like Big Bang Theory that I had to make a choice. Right. And that sucks because I love that show so much. And after watching that one, I realized, man, I really love that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good episode. Really good episode. Oh, yeah. I like the foosball episode as well, mm-hmm. which I also saw after this. So yeah. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> that is show. Good. There was, there's a lot of very yeah. memorable episodes. That whole was Beetlejuice thing they did mm-hmm. was fantastic. So Yes, very much I so. love Community. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, I have one from Ryan who uh, discovered our podcast uh, a few weeks ago, or he actually has a a suggestion uh, for a podcast, which is about Steve Martin, because he's only ever really seen Steve Martin on, um, you know, things like Little Shop of Horrors. Just get really, really small. (laughs) (laughs) I read his book, actually, Born Standing Up. Steve Martin's a hero. It's he's a fascinating person. Yeah. He's a wonderful guy. Oh, Miss, yeah. Mrs. Sputnik actually uh, met him in the Louvre. He was there just, you know, I was saying the Louvre. No, what was he doing in the Louvre? And she was uh, or you know, he was just looking at art. He's he's a big lover of art and he just sort of wanted to, you know, look at the art and she didn't make a big deal or anything. And um, you know, just 
quietly said, you know, I'm a big fan and everything. <laughs> and he's, oh, well, thank you very much. And it was very pleasant and so forth. But his book is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would say he would be definitely a good subject for a, yeah. For a future Oh, yeah. Show. You know, he was born a young black child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the phone book. I'm somebody. I'm Dr. Horror. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one from um, Greg from Flint, Michigan, who told us that uh, we should probably check out Fezorama, who actually have a Fredonia Fez. Wow. All I have a Shriner him. Fez, but that one looks much more awesome. All hail Fredonia. <laughs> <laughs> I have an email from Bruce. Who actually found uh, Tinkrite through a Stitcher, which is some uh, internet app thing. Yeah, they stitch the internet together. It's not a dump truck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, a while back, uh, Stitcher wanted to add Tinkrite to their, uh, you know, to their service. So I uh, went through the, uh, jumped through the steps and got the, the icon, that, the little thing that, the button on our webpage that you can click for Stitcher. But now uh, Bruce says that it's not updating and he's not getting new shows through Stitcher. So, hey, I didn't turn it off. You know, we keep updating the RSS feed, so they should be able to read that and keep it updated. I don't know why, but I'll see if I can look into it and get them straightened out. I know when I set it up, they seemed a little buggy, but... uh, Well, we love them. They're not a sponsor. We love them. They're not a sponsor. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, obviously a very, very great company. Uh, anyway, I have one from Gene who's uh, new to Tank Riot, and this is this is something we get from from a lot of listeners is uh, they they have uh, they're victims of a long commute, <laughs> and they like to listen to us while we're drowning out the otherwise uh, tedious. Those guys noise who have a short background. commute are like, "Fuck you guys! I'm never gonna listen to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm on yeah. a short commute, and you guys talk long." Uh, he also uh, he said I. I really appreciate that you encourage people to draw you, and I'd like to make a suggestion. You should also encourage your listeners to design a new logo, um, you know, for Tank Riot and so forth. It's like, hey, if you've got artistic talent and you'd like to, you know, draw a Tank Riot logo or, you know, we've we've had yeah. many where people envision well, what we yeah, look like. And, and our, our current logo is a Chris Judge illustration, which is great. Yes, which and is awesome. We love it. Well, I mean, on the – yeah, there's – I think the one that on the on the feed or the Twitter uh, comes up is drawn by someone else. Mm-hmm. Then we have uh, th- there's different logos, so we can have as many logos as we want. So yeah, let's, let's yeah. Do. If you have artistic talent, logos. you want to uh, draw what you think our logo looks like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much like us. That's um, you know we and we yeah. we also heard from uh, Jeremy Couturier, who is a wonderful artist who has yes. drawn us in a couple. Mm-hmm. Really, really yeah. great. Yes, uh, we thing. really appreciate. And it. he he recently threatened that he almost drew us as the Marx Brothers, and I I don't that know would what be I wonderful. Would I would I love to see yeah. that. So yeah, you shouldn't tell us these things, Jeremy. It's yeah, just, don't tease. We'll, yeah. we'll tease you. We'll tease you right back. <laughs> yeah, we'll ring your doorbell and yeah. run away. <laughs> Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad I could ring his doorbell and run away. Yeah. What's the password? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so far all the tanks that we've shown on the Tank Riot website are all tanks that have, in one way or another, fought against fascism. That's true. And that's deliberate. I would love a, a really good one of a, you know, big, gritty, snow-covered T-34. I think it's about yeah. time we sold yeah. out and actually were fascist. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just like David Bowie. An actual fascist tank. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I go along on your side. <laughs> I just say that because I was reading that yeah. Rolling Stone article where they were talking about David Bowie, and he had his little flirtation with fascism, and it was just kind of funny. <laughs> I didn't realize that he had like a massive heart attack in 2004. I totally right. did not know that, and I, I consider myself a pretty big fan. And yeah. It's like, wow. wow. Yeah. So I got an email from Eva who is Eva. Wonderful. Uh, but she mentioned that we, uh, there's a funny side note about the term quizzling, which we talked about in the yes. war on drugs episode in uh, Max Brooks's zombie novel, world war Z, yes. which I have read and have mm-hmm. nightmares about. And I, honestly, <laughs> I had forgotten this connection. The term for the psychological condition in which a human behaves and thinks like a zombie without being infected is a quizzling. Oh, interesting. So it's like a zombie Stockholm sure. syndrome. Wow. Which is, which is awesome. <laughs> Sympathy uh, for the zombie. Yeah, so uh, World War Z is a great novel, and I do, I love it. I've read it. It's one of the few novels, and I've read everything pretty much Stephen King had written in his heyday. Mm-hmm. I've trailed off a little bit because I get sick of alcoholic fathers and all that nonsense that he likes to throw in his novels. Mm-hmm. But one of the few novels that really has terrified me is World War Z, mm-hmm. and it's just it's one of those novels you read and it's so real that right. you go to bed and then you have a nightmare about a horrible zombie invasion. You know, <laughs> Great stuff. I know there's a movie adaptation in the works, uh, but you know, thanks Eva. That was, that was wonderful. That was a wonderful catch. I have one. Uh, uh, this is uh, from Greg, our, our Devo contest winner. Mm. Uh, he loved our Marx Brothers episode and sent us a really great link from YouTube uh, about uh, Freudian, it, it was it's a Freudian analysis of the Marx Brothers, which is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great, and I, and I love the way he, he signed it, which was Berkeley, California, by way of Northern Illinois, complete with a German <laughs> accent. The YouTube video, yeah, oh yeah, god, complete, it was perfect. You got your German accent, super eagle. <laughs> I've got one from uh, Peter who points out that. Uh, the Marx Brothers were indeed banned from Ireland, but he pointed me to a really great website that I'm sure you guys checked out too, is uh, Reasons Why American Films Were Banned in Foreign Countries. Mm-hmm. And for the Marx Brothers in Ireland, they were banned for promoting anarchy or anarchic behavior. Wow. I'm like, really? You had <laughs> well, to go after that? <laughs> if you feel that's necessary. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, I have a, a great one from Matthew who also loved our uh, Marx Brothers podcast. And uh, he he shared the original Captain Spaulding song with his kids. And he said that uh, his son said that Groucho could really bust a move. He was really a great dancer. And that's true. I mean, in yeah, vaudeville, they, I agree. He, I agree. he had to dance. Mm-hmm. And he said he, was, he wanted to share, share his favorite Groucho line, which was, um, three years ago I came to Florida without a nickel in my pocket. Now I've got a nickel in my pocket. <laughs> that is a perfect one. Thank you very much. But we Matthew. did include that in the episode. Yes, yes, yes. That's a good one. That's a great line. And he also likes um he he makes mention of Tor and oh, uh, yeah. his uh, uh contributions to Sorry. No, no, no. Okay. no. He said he, he uh pulling out uh more brilliant observations than ever before. 
So <laughs> finally, <laughs> no, no, he didn't say it that way. <laughs> he said it like most people say it in the way like, God, I wish those other guys would shut up, yeah, and let Torah finish a goddamn. Yeah, sentence. really. I mean, could you guys just like throw it into neutral for about yeah, two someone seconds? Someone threw that in Twitter because we were on Twitter at uh, at Tank Riot on Twitter, and someone pointed out it's Tourette syndrome. Yeah, is the need to interrupt Tor in a yeah. Tank Riot episode. Let's go speak for God's sake. <laughs> Stop interrupting. Shut your pie holes. <laughs> I've got an email from Mark who uh, noticed that I we, okay we love bunkers we love survival tents we love those. yes so he sent a website the website is uh, www.junglehammock.com yes I want one I want one of each because these are hammocks that you can live in in a jungle and yes I watched the videos I, I watched how you can multifaceted use these yeah. to camp in and stay above the jungle floor and in relative comfort read your book and live in a jungle hammock and yes I want it okay yeah oh yeah, yeah. and I Obviously. want a bunker and I want yeah wow. I, I just, love. I, I love want a compound. I'm a, I'm a fort builder. <laughs> I'm a compound builder. Look, that is you, a that is a total male thing. Your whole life, you're looking to build a clubhouse. It's a clubhouse. Find everything. Yeah, clubhouse. yeah. And as a matter of fact, I've I've told my coworkers um, many many times that actually the ideal job that I'm suited for <laughs> would be a hammock tester. Yeah. There <laughs> so you I go. show up at work. It's like, okay, here's the Model Five. All right, All right <laughs> lie down. Check it up. Check yeah. Out. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, you need me to take this out in the woods for a little bit? Live there for a couple of days? All yeah. right. Cups yeah. the buttocks Time beautifully. Sleep and stuff. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah. You know, just a lot of relaxation. Well, finally, I just have one from Peter who uh, sent a really great link uh, for a teaser for uh, Osambi. Osambi hits the web. Mm -hmm. And this looks just great. Essentially, you know, Osama bin Laden coming back as a zombie. It's Osama bin Laden as a zombie. And they go and apprehend him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. B-movie. Heyday. I'll yeah. check that out. Awesome. Thank you very much. Is he like attacking Bush's ranch? <laughs> He's helping him cut sage. Well, yeah, he crawls out of the ocean or something. <laughs> yeah. That's what that worthless bastard was always doing for months out of the year was like cutting <laughs> sage. Yeah. We also got a package from Ben Mueller Heeslip and from Kristen uh, from the Parkdale Revolutionary Orchestra, a great band up in Canada. Canada. So I thank him very much for sending this. He sent the Veganomicon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clato, Ferrata, <laughs> Nexo. <laughs> but I will, I will try to not raise evil spirits. It looks but, like a great book. But cook vegan food with it. Okay. And I've yeah. been, I've been switching my diet around to a more vegan thing. You know, not entirely vegan because I'm still, you know, a tool. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm like fifty percent, pretty much. And, okay. And I'm starting to watch now. Even when I'm having a vegetarian dinner, I kind of check it. You know, okay, sure. It's vegetarian, but is it vegan? And trying to figure out like, yeah, what does it mean, and and how would it, you know? Well, yeah, I always get to that I point. It's like turn that corner. Yeah, but just think what this would taste like with some bacon bits. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're putting bacon into literally yeah. everything, like the bacon shake, and it's like, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> So, you know, the thing, it's funny that you should bring that up because I would say that I go on some fairly good jags Mm -hmm. of being vegetarian, and I mean completely vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then every once in a while, and it's usually, like I say, around the colder months of the year where, you know, I will go ape for, Mm -hmm. you know, bacon burger or something. Right, right. But. Yeah. But but it's interesting to, you know, okay, so I'm going vegetarian. It's kind of fun to see, like, okay, is that vegan, what I ate tonight for dinner? And, right. And then kind of, like, do, uh, assess and change and see if, 
well, now I can do that and mm-hmm. and see what that's going to do for my health. Because honestly, I, I know I have health issues and I know I have health problems and I know I need to uh, boost my health. And Absolutely. the best way for a person in my condition would be to to be more of that lifestyle. And yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. the book very much. And if you want to mail things, you can mail things to our P.O. box. If you go to www.tankriot.com, you can send us anything you yeah. want. You don't Apparently, need the www.tankriot.com. will get you there fine. No, you got to have the www.www. Like or, you know, it just doesn't <laughs> get through. Not since 1993. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Not with more Ws. Not with more. Even more. <laughs> But yeah, no, and we accept uh, donations. We appreciate everyone who sent us donations. Oh, yes. Uh, you can uh, send us money through the PayPal link, and we will apply it appropriately. Okay, well, maybe appropriately, but... We yeah. Will, we will cover we'll expenses and yeah. we perhaps... We have a lot uh, of expenses. And and we'll just yeah. think about what we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well... If you have some opinions on this or have some more show suggestions or want to do drawings of us or whatever, feedback at tankride.com. Now, gentlemen, I thought about playing something <laughs> really responsible like Living Colors, Cult of Personality Da-da-da-da-da. or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, rights are what they are. And then I thought, United Sons of Toil, there's some wonderful stuff in there. There is. Yeah. Shining Path. There's some really great stuff That's there. That's true. But you know what I haven't done yet? What? Let's drink drinks. Oh. We're going to play a little more crib shitter. Crib shitter. <laughs> All right. All right. Good evening. This has been Tank Riot. Let's drink drinks. <laughs> this is John Connor. Remember me. I'm Rick Santoro. <laughs> I hate gays. <laughs>
wash out to Soko. Got you swimming like a turtle in the tank with my fishes. I name a little one, Mr. Little Sin Fishes, cause he's drunk like all the time. And he can't get fish flakes off the fish mine and give a man a beverage like a soda with a lime. But just spike it with some goose and he's dizzy for a lifetime. I'm a victim of this circumstance. I can't dance. It's a head of drink, then I'm dangerous. Like Michael on a motorcycle, man in the mirror ball who's a flies to the mall. Still meet me in your Bonneville Come on baby, have your fill Krypton, bring it down That's my pheromone Name's not Macaulay Not going home alone Spinning in circles like a pernicious Move your feet Yeah, rubbish to this The S on my chest Stands for Sambuca Look out, girl, the spirit Gonna spook ya This is more than just chance meeting Heart just skipped this Barely beating Your kindness My weakness You be the peanut butter In my recess Sloppy that you could call me Joe Got a plan, get the car, we're more than we go It's a pure rope master We're headed to the mall Gonna play some road blaster Landmines and all Roll through the neighborhood Tunes on the Kenwood Is it Lee Hazelwood? Bright lights, then the crash Hello, officer Have you met my friend, Mr. Yeager? Meister? Lo siento, acarcerento Make a mental note of the time you let me go In my hand, yeah, a crib shit, that's my band. Yeah. Another autograph for a fan. A gob's taking over the banana stand. Tip him up, tip him back. A cognac, make your mind go black. Let's put on our backpacks. Jack and go, I please don't forget my sea breeze. Sand in my beard, it's all gritty and dusty. See you standing there, the culprit you must be. Egyptian princess, venomous, fan of excess. I can you handle this? Rolls and rings, furs and minks. What else she need? I riddle the sphinx. Tyson versus Sphinx? Nah, let's drink drinks. It's what? Inevitable. One more time? Inevitable! Things are inevitably going to change! God damn it, open your fucking ears! <laughs> 